Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. Joining me on this show is a vet who is here to tell you that what you have been feeding your animals is a pile of seed oil shit. And that is why they are sick from time to time. If you are a pet owner, I know you Maxis loves your dogs and cats. Or even if you've got cattle, listen, it's worth listening to this one because... This guy's been down the rabbit hole. He's a maxi. He knows what he's talking about. This is the job he's been doing for many years, like I've said, and he's got something to share with you. Thank you very much, Alabama friend, for coming on and sharing everything that you've uncovered. I hope you guys enjoy this rip. Now, before we get started, there's a few shills. Of course, Swan Bitcoin, long-time supporters of the show. They've got a new offering for you. It is... Thank you, Brecky, for uh, sending this through. The Swan... The Swan IRA, which is real Bitcoin, no taxes. Swan offers both traditional and Roth options. I don't know what Roth is, but you guys in the US probably do. To best fit your needs. Create your IRA and start adding Bitcoin in less than one minute. Transfers and rollovers are available. And Swan's experts are on hand to set you up with no transfer fees, no minimum balance, all the good stuff. So go check out Swan. You can also download their app and start stacking with them. Just smash buying and DCAing as well. In Europe, we have a similar company offering similar services. Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash Bitten, who also have a private service for you. But otherwise, just download the app and start stashing those Satoshis. You can buy up to a thousand euros or Swiss per day, if I'm not mistaken. Get over to the link in the show notes. That's going to save you on commissions. Coin Corner, another place to stack. They are based out of the Isle of Man. They're doing great work there. They're um, going to be expanding into the Middle East very soon. That's going to be something to watch very closely. So keep an eye on Danny and the team, what they're doing over at coincorner.com. You can smash buy and set up your auto buys, of course. Now, if you want to go KYC free, hodl hodl, have you covered? That's a peer-to-peer global trading and lending program. The peer-to-peer lending is picking up steam, and they're also putting on the Baltic Honey Badger, which is going to be the first week of September. Up your privacy game. Try CoinJoin service wasabiwallet.io. Have you covered? If you do not have a hardware wallet yet and you want to get your sats off any exchange or app, please make sure you do that. The quickest way you could do that, download this wallet, write down your words, and uh, run some coins into your wallet it will automatically coin join for you then you can get them onto a shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten bitbox only wallet and you are golden that's the steps stack look into coin joins to up your privacy and get them onto a signing device if you want to get to a conference this year look out for liberty in our lifetime that's going to be towards the end of this year put a placeholder for middle of october parallel structures that's going to be focused and thrown on by the uh, the Free Cities Foundation. We've got BTC Prague coming up and BTC Miami as well. And download and try out Orange Pill app and meet some plebs. Sign up via the website and you'll be able to pay via the Lightning Network. 
and hit the links in the show notes for discounts. Here's Alabama friend. All right, Lauren, we are we are here after a little while of uh, setting up. We we and setting up the date, let alone the the uh, the microphone. We got Alabama Alabama friend on the uh, right. on the horn. How you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to finally uh, get to talk with you. We've been interacting on Twitter for a while, and uh, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. And I'll go ahead and say, I know every every all your guests say the same thing, but uh, I'm terrified of your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what she's going to ask. Nobody does. Not even <laughs> me. Right, Lauren? Are you ready? Do you, do you have something to ask? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go for it. I heard you're a vet. So what's the craziest animal that came in? Let's see. Um, I would probably say the, the, the craziest thing we've worked on is an anaconda. Um, oh. And that goes way back to vet school. Um, the big anaconda from the local zoo came in, and it was probably about 20 feet long and about that big around, um, which is called a cantaloupe size big around. <laughs> Um, and they did an ultrasound on it. They were trying to breed it and, and um, it was bred and they were trying to get an idea if the uh, babies inside of it were viable and they were. And uh, that's the first time I ever in- got to deal with an anaconda. And let me tell you, those things are unbelievably strong. Like you think they're strong, but we probably had about 20 students holding this thing down and it would, it would undulate because it was pissed off or mad. Um, and it would, they would pick us up off the table trying to hold those things down. So those things are are living dinosaurs. They're frightening, <laughs> but they're not poisonous. But anyways, uh, good luck if you ever have to fight with an anaconda. You're not winning that. Do you know what an anaconda is? Is it like a lizard thing? Like a lizard? Oh, yeah, it's it's a a back up. yeah. It is a human. It's the world's uh, biggest snake, and they're found uh, in uh, oh, what's the river in Brazil? Jesus. Uh, what is that river? What's the world's biggest river? I forgot. We going with the Amazon or no? The Amazon. That's it. Jesus. Yeah. They're, so they're found in the Amazon River Basin in South America. And uh, they can, I forgot how big they can get, but they get to like 30 or 40 feet long. They're humongous. They're huge. So they're basically dinosaurs that made it through. Dinosaurs that made it through without legs. Without legs. Yes. Exactly. And they swim in the water as well, and they live in like the the, the yeah the, the bad news for anything that it wants to eat. They are bad news. They they will eat it. Yes. Any further questions? Uh, just to make sure you're you're a Bitcoiner, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What uh, about yeah, you? I uh, so what is your favorite thing about Bitcoin? That's a great question. Um, so my favorite thing is if you think about it, and I forgot who it's probably a GG thought or something, or I don't know where it came from, but Bitcoin is the only thing in this universe that we know of that no one can take from you. And that appeals to me that I can only give it to another person if I decide to give it to you. So if someone were to come in my house and put a gun to my head and say, give me all your Bitcoin and I wasn't feeling it, I could say no and they could shoot me and I could take it with me to uh, the afterlife. So 
uh, I like the security aspect of that's mine and you can't have it unless I give it to you. Yeah. What's yours? What's your favorite thing about it? Um, most of the time meeting all the people, because they're normally really funny and really fun to be around. I don't know why, but all Bitcoiners have that vibe that you always want to be around them. It is um, a great observation and you're right. Yeah. Because they're optimistic. Also, we don't really have that many things to argue about. Oh, Bitcoiners argue about a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep her up on Twitter. Keep her up on Twitter. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that get argued about, for sure. Um, that's the beauty of Bitcoin. It is the underlying kind of technology and ethos of Bitcoin. It being sound money that draws us all together. But that doesn't mean that we're all going to have uh, the, the same outlooks on life. But, you know, people are coming to Bitcoin from all over the world and many different religions and all kinds of different life experiences and different ages and different races. And so there's always going to be something to argue about. Always. But we, but we do agree on that we're all seeking truth and we all agree on 21 million forever. Yeah, for sure. So it doesn't matter who's in the room. A mix of all of those people that I just described. Doesn't matter. We all see the same thing. So we can all talk about that and then anchor our beliefs from that and have open discussions with other people and keep an open mind to their point of view to a certain extent until you just block them and then move on. <laughs> True that. Which is what some people do. Uh, but um, yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you are right. Almost everybody we've met, I think, in fact, everybody we've met at the conferences we've been over for the last uh, two, uh, for the last 18 months or so, we've had just a, an incredible time. Yeah, I re it's really fun. I re yeah. mm -hmm. So any further questions? I think I saw your picture online for the, uh, did you go to Baltic Honey Badger? Or was Lauren did not. No, I don't know. it was I, me. Yeah, I saw you. And it was uh, They had all the kids there. It looked awesome. I think they, we should have a Bitcoin conference with the kid track. Yeah, we should. That was probably Biarritz. We were all in Biarritz or Amsterdam. We we all went yeah. there together. Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Great fun. It was. All right, well, say goodnight. Yep. Anyways, bye. Thank you. Awesome. See you. Have a good night. Yep. All right, man. Well, yeah, we, we have been trying to set this one up for a long time. You're a busy guy. You've got your, your fiat job going on. You've got um, the, the shit posting that you need to attend to and, uh, you know, <laughs> wake people up. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a, I, have a, I have a fun time. And I try not to be mean. I am, I am toxic, but I try not to be mean. No, of so. course. Uh, but the, the the original way we connected was your uh, your tweet in response to my episode that I'd released with Really Tan Man, and I remember yeah. the meme. I remember the meme. You've got I can't I don't know the ex's name or what the what even TV show it's from. Uh, but like he's got the crazy guy there with everything like that map of a crime scene behind him. Like oh, yeah, a, right. A thousand things going on, and he's just pulling his hair out. And, and you're, you're sunny in Philadelphia. 
It, is that what the name of the show is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's, who's it's the actor there, yeah. or who's the character? Uh-oh. I have no clue. That, that that I don't know. But All right. I just know it's from that show. Well, mo- right. mo- most of the Bitcoiners listening would would know the meme we're referencing because it's been used, uh, you know, for thousands of different things. But you it's used explaining it. Bitcoin meme. <laughs> yeah. Explain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you used it uh, to explain your feelings after listening to that podcast, listening to Really Tan Man, um, and you, I think the caption you used was me trying to explain to my colleagues it's all about the fucking food or it's all in the seed oils or something like that. Right. Uh, so right. why don't we why don't we kick off there? Because clearly something clicked with you in that episode and has turned your professional life upside down. Yeah, I mean, and, and first of all, thank you for that episode because uh, that that changed the trajectory of of my health and my family's health. And then as the signal spreads, you know, I'm I'm on the four or five waves of the signal now, you know, beyond me just in my little orbit um but just some background i you know in undergrad i had to pick um you know either you know before you go into vet school you gotta have a undergrad degree and um it's either ag science and all these things i were interested in is either i was going to go to vet school or i was going to go to vet school there was no plan b but i had to choose something so i you know i was big into bodybuilding and fitness and all that and so i was human nutrition um and even way back then, I realized that that degree was pointless. I mean, one of my professors, I swear to God, was 400 pounds and, you know, <laughs> having an athletic background. And, you know, back then, you know, this is in the 90s, graduated 2002. So this is back in the late 90s. Uh, bodybuilders knew way more about nutrition than a professor in the nutrition class who was 400 pounds. Uh, and they were just teaching us the food pyramid and everything that we, you know, as bodybuilders knew were wrong. You know, but we didn't, but as bodybuilders back then, we didn't, we didn't, the seed oil thing didn't click. And, uh, we kind of knew about the carbs, but maybe not so much the science behind it. And so, um, just as fate would have it, we were going on a road trip and I had three hours to kill. Um, just picked your podcast. I'm like, really tan, man. I was like, that's a hilarious name. Let's just check this out. Not knowing at, at all what it was about. And then um just the way he explained it in a really uh laid back and comical way um but it was clicking into my my background as far as what i had known from nutrition you know self-taught and taught and then all the way through vet school i was like just all the missing pieces fell into place i was like this totally makes sense i understand the oxidation and you know where the oxygen molecule fits on you know polyunsaturated fat it all made sense to me i just never someone never put that together so when you put that together i'm like that's it totally makes sense to me uh went way down the rabbit hole you know read a uh, big fat surprise and you know pretty much in those blogs and just everything kept reaffirming it reaffirming it from different offers that had different points of view on it and the thing that really hooked me was you know i've sunburned my entire life just punishingly bad sunburns uh to the point where i hated going to the beach with my kids if i was in the beach i was in the giant hat and all the clothes because i refused to put sunscreen on me because i just hate that shit and that was before i even knew how how bad that was for you i just hated the feeling of it and so generally i just avoided the sun then i heard tan man's like hey man you won't sunburn anymore if you knock out seed oils and i'm like that sounds fucking crazy but you know whatever i'm gonna try um then i got into it for like two months went outside 
burnt the living shit out of myself because he did say it was going to take some time, but really about six months in, um, you know, super straight nut seed oils. Um, this hundred percent true. Like I I'm out in the sun. Anytime it's sunny, I'm out there getting some sun and I do not burn anymore. Get a little pink, just like everybody said you would. And they said, that's your body's natural, you know, UV damage is still UV damage. It's going to do its thing. But you know, everyone I listen to like, Hey, you start getting painted up that your body's saying, get out of the sun. Um, and so, yeah, that's totally true. I know as your daughter's talking about arguing with people, that's one thing that's been argued about on Bitcoin, Twitter relentlessly is the no seed oils don't burn thing. But in, in my N equals one experience, it's hundred percent true. So don't eat seagulls. Man, that's Anyways, awesome. a long way to get to uh, your answer, but yeah, that's that's where I arrived at that. And then um, I guess to, what you're really getting at is you know being a veterinarian. Um, you know, we treat. I'd probably say our bread and butter, and I hate to use that term because it's it's a bread and butter practice builder on something that's fixable is skin allergies and skin infections. Just constantly day in day out it's easy you come in dog's itchy you give them their antibiotic for whatever staph infections they got and then and, you know the pharmaceutical companies has developed hugely profitable medicines that stop the itching but they do nothing for underlying cause and so prior to kind of getting all the pieces together through your talk with tan man you know i was here's your cephalexin your cephadoxine and your injection to side a point or here's your apple pills. Those are the two pills that are just money makers for the pharmaceutical money. And they do nothing about addressing why is the animal itching? They just stop the itch. So they are effective at doing that. I give them that much. But, you know, in my brain, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm on to big pharma. You know, I have been for a while, um, just through personal journey for other reasons. I'm like, they're, they're created a money maker to treat a symptom, but they never go one layer deeper as to why is there a symptom? And so I started digging into that and, you know, uh, started reading dog food labels, which should have done my entire career. But just if you ever look at dog food, there's a reason why people don't read them because you look at them and they're totally written in Greek. You have, I mean, even as a professional, you have no idea what the fuck they say. Um, there's about 87 different ingredients. Um, they use words that no one's familiar with. And then they don't ever give you an exact percentage of this is what your fat percentage is, this is your protein, this is your carbohydrates, like you do on human labels that make it super easy. It's just all obfuscated. And they'll say something like 33% crude protein. Well, crude protein isn't protein because a lot of that's non-digestible protein. And so it's just, anyways, they get to, they realize, you know, all right, well, these dogs, you know, you can recognize the ingredients. They use a shitload of seed oils and dog food because they're cheap. And they use just basically terrible protein source. And so the, by nature, you know, what oxidizes seed oils, it's exposure to oxygen and heat. Well, by nature of making dog food, they have to heat it up. That's how they preserve it. And then this exposure to oxygen by, you know, it, it sits in a bag and then it goes in a warehouse and then it's hot in a warehouse and it gets put on a truck. It's heated up again. Then it's finally delivered to your destination, makes it to your house. You open it up and it, you put it in the bin and it's exposed to oxygen for a month or however long it lasts. And so, um, it's basically a food nightmare. And so I started talking to these chronic skin patients and uh, autoimmune disease patients, you know, Pemphigus is one of them saying, Hey, let's, let's just try something different. Let's, you know, if you can, let's home cook for your dog and um, limited ingredients, you know, high fat, moderate protein, zero carb because dogs don't need carbs. 
Um, same thing for humans. Um, our physiology is almost exactly the same. And so far, eight, nine months into it, I guess, I lost track, seven, eight months. Um, remarkable results. Like these itching dogs aren't itching anymore. A couple of my pemphigus dogs, which is autoimmune disease, are off their prednisone completely. And so, um, yeah. Anyways, long answer. But no, that's like, it, that is a short answer because we're going to go very, very deep into what's going on. Uh, yeah. So, huh, where to start? For anybody listening with a dog, what's your professional advice? Or a cat? Or, or any animal? Like, yeah, like um, that. that's the first question. What, right. what are we doing wrong with our pets? I can't really say what we're doing wrong with our pets, but as far as feeding, um, I think we're overcomplicating it. And that, and my brain is another psyop people are terrified to cook for their dogs um you know the the food the big food big pet food industry has done such a great job of convincing people not to cook for their dogs because they'll forget some vital ingredient or some mineral because that's the first question i get for everybody i'm like hey cook for your dog what do i cook i'm like get some red meat get some tallow get some salt you know don't don't ever come oh am i gonna miss something I'm like no you're not gonna miss anything dogs are carnivores cats are carnivores um and so the psyop of, you know, don't feed your vet people food, you know, where, before big food uh, and dog food was created, there was only people food. There's only what the animals killed, what they scavenged and then, or what they got from the plate, you know, when they started, when they made their way into domestication. And so big food comes along and I don't know the timeline, but let's call it early 1900s. 1930 or something. Yeah, it's around World War II is when they started doing that. Um, um, all of a sudden, it was terrible for you to feed your dog people food, and even vets to this day. And I don't, I'm not going to crap on all the vets. They're most of them are just doing what they're taught in school, so it goes back to the schooling. But even today, you go to veterinary practice, like don't give your pet people food, and you know all that. Don't give them fat. Don't you know just whatever. Feed what's in the bag. Um, and so the advice of cats are super easy. Uh, cats are obligate carnivores in nature, meaning cats only eat what they kill. They don't scavenge. They only will eat something that they kill themselves. Uh, okay, well, what do they kill? They kill birds, small reptiles, rodents. Um, they will eat some bugs. They're bug eaters. Um, but all, the, all those things have in common. They're extremely high in protein. They're about zero carbs and whatever fat content. Um and so cats are easy. Cats need to eat meat and nothing else. Um, cats never need to see, see a carbohydrate again in their life because cats are extremely sensitive to uh, glucose. Um, and their pain, you know, their insulin shoots way up after a meal. And I see so many type two diabetic cats. Um, cats die of renal disease, and that's due to the you know constant glycosylation of the structure of the kidney and you know pretty much everything that we see that's killing cats is because they're fed high carb diets their whole life you'll never see that written anywhere um you know it's that's one easy one in the veterinary industry a lot of vets are coming around to the cats are are obligate carnivores and that's just their nature and you know feeding them bags of corn and wheat doesn't really do them any favors dogs you know they are omnivores and that's the biggest argument and the pushback from the industry is dogs are omnivores they can eat carbs well if you look at the structure of their jaws and their teeth and just their evolutionary history, they're carnivores and they always have been carnivores and they're, they're programmed to eat 
meat and you know if you look at when they when they go back and they look study dogs uh wild dogs you know what do they eat first when they kill something it's usually the high fat things and then it's the protein and so dogs need high fat moderate protein you know zero carbs um what cracks me up is i see these commercials on tv you know we this dog food has superfood and it's got blueberries and it's got kale and it's got all this other shit in it and no dog that's not domesticated is ever going to go to a blueberry bush and just start going oh thank god i found some blueberries <laughs> thank god i found some kale so you know the big thing is 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 don't overcomplicate it and another thing that we i when i was talking to you about it is is you know i got to be when I'm delivering the information, I got to, I got, you know, my job is to provide my clients with the best source, the best knowledge that I can share with them. They're paying me for knowledge. I need to give them the best. You know, what's the best thing you can do? All right, cook for your dog. What do I cook? Red meat, high fat, whatever, you know, just eggs. Don't complicate it. Some people say, okay, I can't afford that. Well, the last thing I'm trying to do is create guilt because that is not what I'm trying to do. You know, everything in life is a spectrum. Right. And feeding your pets is a spectrum. You know, on the best end of the spectrum, you got a grass fed, not even grass fed, just a nature fed deer that's eating its natural food and something that they would eat in the environment. That's the very, very best. Never touched a human hand, they killed. Them. Okay, great. What's next best? Home cook. Okay. Well, what's on the other end of the spectrum? That's just the shittiest dog food you can ever imagine at Walmart or whatever you guys go over in Europe. Just the cheapest most grain filled whatever crap food there is and so so when people are like hey i have financial issues i can't afford to feed my dog like this and that then i said okay everything's on a spectrum just do the best you can and um even if that's like you got to feed them dog food fine try to get a better dog food but there's another side out there because really high-end dog food's all marketing and it's not any better than the the medium dog food, um, but then supplement with some eggs, supplement with some steak trimmings or whatever, you know, just so they're getting something um, and then continually to work on that. And then, you know, what I found out is uh, a dog food's gotten real expensive through inflation and all that, you know, bag dog food that is. So the argument that it's prohibitively expensive to feed your dog a home cooked diet, if you start going long-term and reducing vet visits and other issues, it's actually probably the same amount. You know, I haven't sat down and done the math, but I am feeding them. You know, I got two big dogs and two cats in my house. Um, and just from my observation, it's about the same. So it's, it takes a little bit more effort, but, you know, if it's worth it to you, you'll figure a way to do it. Here in France, and I don't know if it's the same all over Europe or even in the States, if you if you go to your local butcher or even the butcher who's based within the supermarket, if there's actually somebody there you know um i don't know what it's like in the us but you can go into supermarkets all over europe and there's a butcher counter uh, you know and he just rents the space and he's the butcher within the supermarket if you tell him you've got a dog I, we don't even have a dog but i've got free bones because i gift them right. to other people uh who have dogs or i use them to make stocks and they'll even give you the offcuts sometimes and i've i've seen this happen in the uk in a, in a standalone butcher shop, like, uh, oh, so you got a dog outside. Here's some bones for the dog. That's free shit. So right. does that happen over there or not? Uh, maybe. Um, I don't know. So I, you know, right next to my practice, we have a big Publix, um, which is a major supermarket over here. And they used to give away bones, but they won't anymore. And I don't, hmm. I, you know, I didn't want to bug the butcher because he's just the butcher. He didn't know. 
but they're not independent butchers. They are hired by the stores. And so I think they're subject to store policy. Right. But I don't know if it's liability or lost profits or whatever, but I've had clients say, Hey, used to, but they quit. And pretty much all the clients, because that's the first thing they ask me is like, where do I get this stuff? I'm like, well, you know, ask around. Maybe you'll get someone that will give you the OFAL and all the other stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's getting harder. Um, you know, luckily there are, there's a lot of avenues opening up where people start to demand it. So the marketing starting to respond to it. But I think our butcher, butchering, unless it's like a small butcher, I think a lot of the major, you know, over here, most, I would say not all, but most people get their meat just from the grocery store mm-hmm. and usually that's a butcher that's employed by that grocery store so they can't really have much leeway in what they do it's kind of sort policy so just, i think it's a lot different over there yeah well I, yeah i mean you do have that as well where you just pick it up in the styrofoam and the cling film but uh you know i'd urge people to form a relationship with their with their local butcher just in the high street uh and only takes two or three visits and two or three Good mornings. How are you? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. You get known. And if you've got a dog on a leash, uh, you know, just tied up outside waiting and you just nod at it and you've got any offcuts, they'll happily yeah. give it to you. Cause what are they going to do? They, they, it's going in the bin otherwise. Yeah. And yeah. And then um, go ahead. They're, they're capturing your business because you will be coming back to, to spend money for the, uh, the things that you need for, for your family. When did this all switch? Because I remember growing up, we had a dog and we used, we would have tinned dog food. It was meat. Uh, yeah. but, uh, whether I can't tell you what kind of meat uh, may well have been horse meat for, for all I know, but it was meat in yeah. a tin. Uh, now everybody um, seems to be uh, dropping this, uh, th- these, what do you call it? Kibble and um, crunchy kind of biscuit things and, in the dog's bowls. Yeah. I mean, it. so you can take everything that's wrong with a human food and uh, try to say multiply it times 10 <laughs> and you got dog food because people were uh, oblivious to it. Um, and I think part of that obliviousness was created to keep people in the dark, like quick little side story. And uh, I've always said my classmates can, you know, class of 2002 Auburn um, can uh, come, come on and call me a liar if I'm lying. But this is literally how we were taught nutrition in vet school. And I've heard, you know, Sean Baker, MD, he's a human doctor and a lot of other mm-hmm. human doctors say the same thing. Is they do not teach nutrition in med school. They don't. They, well, newsflash. <laughs> they, um, you know, I got more large animal nutrition than small animal nutrition but small animal nutrition they literally you know march us in i think we got two teaching weeks out of the entire four years we we're there of those two weeks you only get 10 teaching days so um and you know and i, I it, and granted i remember i came from a background of nutrition undergraduate so i had a basis i was like kind of fired up I'm like all right we're gonna get some nutrition great they literally gave us a huge book about this big. And this is, you know, books back then were 400 bucks a piece and we're all broke. So we're like, oh, sweet, free nutrition book. And it was given to us by Hills, uh, Hill Science Diet. Um, and that was nice of them, I guess. Um, and literally the message that was delivered was, you know, we're going to teach you the basics. This is a carb, this is a fat. But it wasn't really so much, you know, basically the message was there's a, a government organization called AFCO, uh, and they 
set standards that all the dog food has to have X, Y, and Z in it to be accredited to be in a bag, dog food bag. You know, all the nutrition scientists have it all figured out. It's, you know, whatever's in the bag is fine. That's all you need to know. So pretty much feed what's in the bag and you're good to go. Like that's pretty much it. And we're like, there, you know, we're a bunch of students. We're just trying to survive. Um, you know, we're all broke or whatever. And so we, there's no pushback. Like, okay, well, this is what they taught us. And so, you know, if it's, you know, if it says cat food in the bag and it's made for cats and it's got the FCO stamp on it, and that's all we need to know. Same thing for the food pyramid, right? So the food, human food pyramid came out in the, I was alive. And I remember distinctly when it came out, it was in the 70s, 80s. Oh, because my mom was a PE teacher, and so she, you know, we can we can get into uh, school schooling. I know that's sure. your passion about that. <laughs> um, but I remember the food pyramid was everything, and my mom did the very best with the information that she had, and so I don't blame them a bit. Uh, but it was, you know, red meat is going to kill you. Um, you know, eat granola bars, eat bread, eat pasta, eat fruit, you know, just sugar, 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 sugar. Um, you know, pretty much the inverse of what we know now is true. And so, you know, but all that, you know, is, so that's what they were taught in, as teachers and doctors back then. And then that's what we got handed and that's what we taught forever. We didn't know any better. So unless you were of a curious mind and kind of did your own thing, you're like, you know, why are these dogs getting so sick? Why is, you know, there's an obesity epidemic in pets. There's a diabetes epidemic in pets. I mean, there's people with, so you take a 400 pound or 600 pound obese person, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to have terrible skin. They're going to have all kinds of allergies. They're going to stink. They're going to have arthritis issues. I mean, so if you take that and you look at the pet, it's the same thing. It's because we're feed, eat, feeding them the same crap. And, um, you know, as far as dogs go and their nutritional needs and even cats, even they're a little bit stricter is it's all the same thing. It's all about insulin resistance. And so the, the food pyramid that was given to us by our government created the insulin resistance problem we see today, which is, you know, insulin resistance is probably 90% of all illnesses in Western, you know, whatever civilization. Well, it's also probably at 90% of all dog and cat crap that I treat is, you know, it's everything is, everything goes back to insulin resistance, which goes back to we're eating way too many damn processed carbohydrates and fake oils. So, yep. So, and you know, get to the incentive of it. Why are they doing that? Cause it's cheap. You know, there's huge profit to be made for dog food company to put a crap load of wheat and corn and whatever the soup du jour carb of the day is um in their kibble because they have to have about 33 percent carbs to make a kibble or else it falls apart and they can't make it in that shape and so you know at a minimum it's 30 percent something i don't know what the exact number is but it's high um in some advertised sweet potatoes and peas and all that stuff well it's still a carbohydrate still sugar and the body's still going to break it down it's going to turn it into glucose and you're going to have the same effect with your insulin response so so yeah, uh, it's all money. It's all huge profit margins for them. And, you know, they don't care. They don't care if your dog's going to turn fat. They'll just say, eat less or put it on the diet food. Well, then you're just basically starving your dog because their insulin's still spiking off the scale, but you're feeding them a lot less. And so now they're, they're internal starvation, which is a whole different thing. So, what? So, for anybody listening to this, what are the first signs that they should notice in their, their dog? That um, 
you know, this this might be happening. They might be like pre-diabetic. To talk about this in about a dog is like crazy. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, the first thing you're gonna see is your dog's gonna be fat. I mean, I mm. from just from what I see in my practice, um, for all the listeners, you know, seventy-five percent of anybody listening to this right now, your dog's gonna be fat or your cat's gonna be fat. Just the way it is. Not your fault. You're doing the best you can do. And and that's yeah, the point, right? People about. love their pets, like yeah, dearly, absolutely. I mean, dearly. and so uh, this is this is the disconnect because these fuckers that are pushing this food, uh, they don't care. They literally no. do not care about the dog or the cat in your home who you dearly love, who is part of your family. If they cared, they would come out and say, "Hey, don't feed your animals carbohydrates." They don't eat them, you know, they're just the simple. I always tell people back, you know, because, so, you know, I deal with a lot of people that, you know, the food and diet recommendations are always a touchy subject. People always have, you know, no matter what data says, they, so many other factors in there. So it's always going to be a subject. So I always break it down to them. I say, let's go back to Africa where, where the first wild dog was walking around. What did that thing eat? What did mm-hmm. the cat eat? And they go, well, it ate meat the way it would have killed. In the dog's case, it ate what it came across, the scavenged. Yeah, fair enough. Um, wasn't bags of corn. <laughs> it wasn't bags of wheat. <laughs> and so, and they're exactly and people. I think just out of ignorance, grossly, grossly, grossly overestimate how long it takes for DNA to evolve to be able to handle new diets. They go, like, oh, well, we've evolved to eat this. I'm like, no, not even close. Like. Even our, even humans, our systems are still, you know, it's why, yeah, we're, we, we're, we can metabolize some carbs. Um, very true, but we're not engineered to eat carbs year round. Cause if you go back to evolution and the hunter gatherers, you know, carbs were only handfuls at a time. If they found grains from like a rice field or I found like a, an apple and the apple back then were about that big and extremely bitter. They weren't these monstrosities. They're just full of sugar now that they have in the store. And so that's what we evolved eating. And that's usually seasonality too. When, you know, when the fruit was in season, that's when we ate it. It wasn't year round. So we wanted to go to the grocery store and get honey crisp apple that weighs four pounds, you know? So so to, to to negate a lot of the pushback, I say, look what they evolved eating. Their DNA has not changed. Um, and so they need to eat high high fat, moderate protein or high protein, however you want to say it. Protein doesn't matter. Don't split hairs. Um, and very little to zero carbs. And, and I said that that is pretty much non-negotiable. That's the evolutionary history. That's fact. And it's also a fact that their DNA hasn't changed to eat this highly, highly processed food that comes in a bag. And so usually we get them thinking about that, then they go, oh, yeah, it makes sense, and start asking questions. Okay, well, what can I do? And then you know, start out by, like I say, scramble some eggs. Let's do something easy. Because mm. one thing for anybody listening to this, you do not want to transition your dogs overnight. <laughs> if you're feeding a kibble diet and you switch them overnight, they will get diarrhea and they will shit all over your house. Um. I know because experience. I got a little bit too excited with mine when the light bulb went off. And I'm like, you know, I'm looking at my dog right now. So I keep looking at the floor. Um, I was like, I'm going to make them healthy. This is going to be awesome. And I gave them both diarrhea for a week. So the, since you're altering their gut bug, their gut flora, because uh, yeah. their flora, you know, 
uh, has evolved and I say evolved, it's not their DNA, but the bugs in their guts have evolved to process, eat all these carbs. If you throw high fat at them, like in a flood, well, it's just going to go right through them. It takes about a week to 10 days to really slowly transfer over, you know? And so you want to, you do want to stepwise fashion, you know, off of your kibble into whatever you decide to feed them. All right. Actionable so, points, because anybody listening to this is going to want to know this like very quickly. Well, I mean, the full uh, disclosure, I did the same thing to myself after a man episode. I was like, fucking hey, I'm going high fat and... I, I went strict carnivore and holy crap, I spent a week on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it happens to you. So, you know, all things in moderation, most transitions need to be stepwise. You know, there's very little yeah. light switch moments in life for anybody. So, and there's reasons for that. So, so yeah, if people are like, out there feeding their dogs twice a day, for example, once in the morning, and once in the evening, how do you make, yeah. what, what? how would you suggest they make that switch from pure kibble to, baby steps into yeah. something more carnivore yeah you know 10 percent at a time 15 percent. you don't have to sit there and weigh it i mean you can if you want to but i just i say look just eyeball 10 15 percent kibble feed them your normal belt fill it in the bowl like you normally do take about a handful's amount of whatever throw it back in the bag then get a handful of scrambled eggs and throw it in the bowl it's mm -hmm. not you know and just 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 do this over a series of a week so you don't have to get you know, if your dog's getting loose bowels and go a little slower, if they're handling like a rock star, then you can keep going. So, um, do they care you know, about the uh, the eggshell? Can you throw that in there? Is there any reason for? I mean, I just just to really throw did. John Vallis a, a you know a little bit of a love here because he was eating eggshells. <laughs> I mean, it's just calcium. All right, the, the, the kidneys will figure out what to do with it. <laughs> so, you know, that way they pee it out or absorb it or the gut will i guess most of the calcium does that so i don't eat eggshells uh i don't purposely throw at my dog's thing so that's then it's a good point so yeah eggshell will go for it they'll just poop it out um if they don't eat it um but bones you gotta be super careful i do want everybody to know you know mm -hmm. bones do, yeah. always, i don't really give med advice on bones if you're gonna give them bones give them raw bones never ever give a cooked bone because mm -hmm. cooking high heat changes the calcium lattice structure and bone fracture Well, they can fracture and make very sharp pieces. And I've had to do surgery and, you know, one dog actually a big mastiff, he gave him a pork chop of a cooked bone and it sliced his guts and he died hmm. and he's not the only one. So, so definitely don't ever give your dog cooked bones. Uh, if you're going to give him a bone, give him raw bones and cause they're spongy and soft, you know, just, and they'll, they'll process it that way, which, which again goes back to evolution. You know, dogs are gnawing on bones that they just killed. They yep. weren't gnawing on bones that someone threw in the oven for four hours. So, yeah, don't feed your dog cooked bone or cat. Right. Excellent uh, advice. But, yeah, to, to Valis, sure. Eggshells, go for it. Yeah. Not going to hurt him. <laughs> now, I'm whilst... not eating eggshells, though. No, nor me, man. Gross. Like, come on, stop. <laughs> uh, whilst you were That's talking That's why he's so enlightened, though. Maybe that's yeah, missing. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe that's what's uh, grounding him <laughs> to his spirituality. Like uh, I know you listen, John. Yeah. So you know, have right, get, get get Alabama friend on for a uh, for a chat here. Whilst we were <laughs> chatting there, I went to Hills uh, HillsVet.com. Right, that's that's the book you said that you received from this company about nutrition in a in during your education. Right, right, yeah. Right, so it's, yeah, and they've even got the 
the uh, the Hills Pet Nutrition carries on the tradition of caring that began in 1939, which you nailed, right? Right around World right, War II, right. with one remarkable veterinarian. Our healthy advantage, prescription diet, science diet, and ideal balance. So after all of these, healthy advantage, that's got the R. What does that mean? Uh, that means um, that's some patent. Prescription diet, yeah, right. patent. Science diet, patent, and ideal balance, TM on that one, trademarked. Uh, pet foods offer the highest quality pet nutrition available. We are making a difference for people and their pets all over the world. So then I wanted to know who actually owns this company and ah, are see, they now, listed? This is the interesting part. Yeah. Follow the money. Now, do, do you know? Yeah. I can take a guess because the same company owns most of everything in the veterinary world. All right, go for it. Who have you got? Mars. Mars? Mars. Okay, so you know Mars. for a fact that Mars are one of the biggest owners of pet food industry companies out there in the US and probably globally, yeah? So yeah, I mean, in full disclosure to science, I have no idea if they own you, so I'm not going to get into this, whatever, you know. <laughs> well, they do not uh, own, do, they do not own do, hills. Do, they do not own hills. Right. I'll tell so, you who yeah, owns so hills. I have no idea. But... Colgate yeah. Palm Olive. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I forgot how many billions the veterinary industry is. And that's not just veterinary animal. Let's not just take, exclude veterinary. Just animal industry is hundreds of billions. I mean, huge. Yep. And so, yeah, there's all the, all the, uh, the multinational so we, we've food got a... company, the conglomerates. A pharmaceutical company owning a pet food company with all of these patents and whatever's, right? And now the 1st of August, 2022, there is a, a new statement here on uh, investor.colgatepalmolive.com. And uh, it was released 1st of August. Uh, Col Colgate Palm Olive Company plans to purchase three dry pet food manufacturing plants in the US from Red Collar Pet Foods for $700 million dollars to support the global growth of its Hills pet nutrition business. So this isn't going away. They are doubling down, no. man. They are doubling down because it's so right. damn profitable for them to fuck up your pets. Yeah. I mean, like I say, everything's on a spectrum. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say their, their mission is to fuck up the pets, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's uh no their mission is to make money. money their mission is to right. make money right yeah. 100%. 100%. This, is, this is the fiat system in which we're stuck their mission is to make money every single quarter i mean it just parallels the big food industry i mean um you know and that you've heard this before and everybody's heard this before when you go grocery store you know cruise on the outside avoid the inside and I was at Walmart the other day, not getting pet food, but I had to, I was buying a dog bed, actually. My dog needed a bed. He's old. Um, but I went in the pet food section and it's like a big cube also. And it's like the same damn rules apply. Like it's very colorful bags. They're all stacked. They all got marketing like you just read. Everything's trademarked and they got their key term. They're like, if you walk in there, like, I want to do what's best for my dog. And then, well, this one's got science and this one's got the best and this one's the patented and whatever it's like so you're like you don't know you're just trying to feed your dog what's best just grab the ingredients and look at it, you know um 
you know it's if you can't decipher it if you have no idea what it is would you feed it to yourself mm. answer is probably not well same thing goes for pet food um it's just i don't know i could keep going on and on um you know it's hugely profitable they're never going to come out and say because they can't even do it in human medicine right look how much pushback humans are saying uh carnivore diet and ketogenic diet you know slash of the two have healthy outcomes you can't even say that and they'll come after you you know like, that's look at this study you're going to get heart disease and all this stuff all that's been so proven wrong but you're a heretic if you go against the system it isn't so it, it it reveals how how deep um big food has their fingers in everything the capture you know we we learned during COVID how captured uh, the human medical system was. Because if you went against the narrative, they were pulling licenses, they were suing doctors left and right, they were ostracizing you, everything. Um, you know, veterinarians, we have a lot more leeway to do what we want. Um, you know, thank God, because you know we're not ran by the insurance companies and the chain's broken a little bit. There's a lot of influence, but we have a lot. We can just we can go off label, we can do what we want, and there's a lot less feedback. But um, even to this day, though, if your if your advice is hey, you know the cat thing's pretty much solved, even in the papers you're seeing come out that yeah, cats need to be carnivore. That's kind of a done deal because there's a but diabetes crisis in cats, and so finally everybody kind of agreed on that. You'll still see the big food companies have their they even have like kibble diabetic kibble for cats. Well, it's still 33% carbs. And so that cat needs to eat zero carbs. Um, so anyways, what I'm getting at is the the incentive structure and how everything is just so, that the big food all the way up to Mars has its fingers so deep in everything from the marketing on the TV that you see constantly with, you know, dogs eating superfoods, eating kale, all that crap. I just laugh my ass off on it. I'm like, this has no evolutionary basis at all. This is just people eat kale because people think it's good for you. It's really not. It's full of phytates and all kinds of other crap. Um, but there, it just, just start observing dog food commercials. They're basically commercials for people food because they're always talking about superfood and kale and blueberries and all this stuff. And that's, you know, supposedly good for people, but Anyways, the whole point is people have no idea what's good for the dogs. They just trust the marketing and, and, um, yeah, it's kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sad. All we can do is just like Bitcoin people pointing out how the money's broken and yeah, we're the heretics and we're the cult members and all that stuff. Uh, we know we're right. Well, the small and getting louder population of, if it's good to see human doctors starting to push back and then they're starting to see veterinarians push back saying, no, things have got to change because we're just treating symptoms. We're not treating causes and the cause is the food, you know, mm -hmm. it's the food in humans, it's the food in pets and not all of it. Of course, I'm not going to get into that. There are, there are diseases that are diseases because they're diseases. But if you look at the bulk of what we're treating now, it's got to go back to diet and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then when you, I mean, you brought up education earlier. Uh, so now we know, if Hills is the nutritional kind of uh, book that you get given for free, well, who's infiltrated that big pharma? They're backing that, right? They're subsidizing the free books for all of you to learn right. nothing about nutrition so the pets stay sick so they can sell their drugs. And there you have well, follow, another fun fact too. And you can you can draw the example or you can take from it what you will. I mean, I have no idea what incentives are because I'm trying to 
skirt around it a little bit. But uh, fun fact: in vet school for all four years, we every every student got free dog food and cat food from Hills. So what? You went down to the bookstore. Yeah, they free food four years. Free what? Books, free food. Yeah. You're we're broke as hell. We're We need dog food, man. So we're broke as hell. We didn't give a shit. We just we didn't think about it. We thought it was what you need to do. You you were eating so. the dog food. No, 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 no. They give us free <laughs> I was going to say, how broke pets. were you? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Man, I lived on ramen noodles and tuna fish. <laughs> All right, good. Oh, okay. just, just a little bit better just broke. A, just a little <laughs> bit above that. All right, so, all right, fine. So even if you didn't have the dog or family had dogs or friends had dogs, you could go down there and get that free Hills science-backed pet food for free. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Which, you know, at the time I had no idea. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't wake up for three or four years ago. COVID finally woke me up. I have a, I have a story to tell you about that. I mean, I was a all right, let's do it. Completely captured, so captured by pharma and climate cult. And yeah, that, you know, I'm an open book. I almost killed myself because of climate. I was so deep into it and so distraught and distressed that I had three kids and I was bringing them into a dying planet. And what was I doing? And, you know, all I could think of that was how to, how they're going to thrive in the Armageddon and everything's going to I mean, I was, it's embarrassing to say, but I'll be honest with you because I want people to know it's, it's a complete psyop and there's hope. <laughs> it's complete hope. I you know. I remember my brother, I went to go visit him. Uh, he opened, he opened, opened a brewery and i was walking in there and he's like man what's wrong with you, you look like shit and i was like oh so depressed and he's like what about I'm like climate change he kind of went okay but in my brain it was like dude i was i was done i felt so guilty so i don't know what i was getting at oh talk about waking up so yeah yeah i didn't wake up for two or three years ago covid's finally woke me up i was mm -hmm. a complete captured npc because you know i went and got my vaccine i was the first in line you know I thought I was doing out oh, my sense of duty was used against me. Uh, you know, get your vaccine. I was like, I'm a doctor. I get vaccines at work. You know, I should probably do this. Makes sense. Without realizing this was not a vaccine. This is an MRA medication. You know, real vaccines work. I use them every day, 100%. You know, people, I've, unfortunately, I've seen some vaccine skepticism spill over as far as, you know, do I, my dogs don't need parvo shots. Well, come treat a dog with parvo and you'll see that those vaccines are about 100% effective. Now there is some discussion about do they need them every year? Yeah, that's highly debatable for sure. You know, um, and the and the truth is, you know, the the titers uh, for most of these things are good for at least three to five years, but it's all kinds of variables and lifestyles and stuff like that. So it's just easier. Basically, the conversation is ask your vet. You know, talk about your dog's lifestyle. If it's an apartment dog who never goes anywhere, never sees any dog, then yeah, you got to keep it legal for rabies, at least in the states, because there are some legal things that you have to do, but. Do you need a whole battery of everything else? Probably not, but that's for you and your vet to talk about. So the point is, is have the conversation with your vet. You know, if they're like, hey, needs X, Y, and Z shots, just say why. Don't mm -hmm. argue with them. I mean, or don't be combative is what I meant. Just say, hey, why does he need this one? Why does he need that? And make him explain it to you. Because unfortunately, there's a whole lot of vets that don't do that. They just pop, 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 and that's it, you know? So it's weird um, you bring this up because I was visiting my parents yeah. recently over Christmas time and their dog had to be called in for a for two shots. Um 
So it came in two shots, it, it, but for the same thing. And I can't remember what it was. It was for something like random that uh, like dogs might catch out because they live in the countryside or something. Uh, maybe it has something to do with some kind of cattle. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's probably leptospirosis. You know, and that that is a bacterial vaccine. So there are viral vaccines and there are bacterial vaccines. You know, mm -hmm. viral vaccines. You know, if that virus is stable and doesn't mutate, you have to go through a booster series. It's usually, you know, I'm not going to say exacts because there's huge variants in this but usually you get years and years of, of high titers that are protective uh, bacterial vaccines a lot different because um, the immunity is just not as strong um, and so that's why i say you know the anti-vax stuff from covid is a nightmare and it's going to end up injuring some animals because the vaccines we're using uh, you know are not mrna based and have been around for years and are effective and so that's why you need to have a conversation with your vet if you got a farm dog who's drinking out of cow ponds 100 you need a lepto vaccine so leptos will shut down their kidneys and it's zoonotic people can get it and it can be a nightmare um and so you know those are things but you know if you're you know if you're an apartment dog in manhattan who lives on the 19th floor who uses pee pads you probably don't need a lyme disease vaccine or you know a lepto vaccine, all this, you know, well, if they have a lot of rats in New York, so I take that back, rats and stuff. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that. There's so many variants. The whole question, the whole point is have a conversation with your vet, mm -hmm. you know, don't be combative about it, but ask, you know, why does he need this? Why does he need that? And make them explain it to you. There is unfortunately a lot of laziness in the veterinary world where they just come in and they go pop, 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 and they don't think too much about it and out you go. You know, most vaccines are safe. We don't see very many vaccine reactions at all but they do happen you know and some of them can be fatal you can get hemolytic anemia which is, is rare but it happens everybody's treated it so anyways whole point is don't be afraid of them but, but you know make your make your vet answer your questions and you can decide for yourself if you're happy with the answer or not and if they go uh, i don't know then that's a red flag they should know okay. it's part of their job <laughs> it's i was it's funny because i remember you tweeting not long ago only about a week ago, there's a few tweets I want to dig into you uh, about because they're, you know, very personal and you're putting it out there and that you've already mentioned it. I think the the tweet was yeah. uh, another day further away from that freaking mRNA jab or something. Right. Uh, so yeah, how's that sitting in your mind then? How, how's this played out for you in the last two or three years? I mean, you said you've been shaken awake uh, but you know, right. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, I just, so I'm so betrayed and angry that, you know, they, a, they, I'm not going to go. I mean, you can get on the internet and figure out you know, what are the origins of this thing. Isn't it crazy that they already had these vaccines ready to roll you know, within a year, which is unheard of, you know, you can go down that rabbit hole and be like, was this manufacturer or not? And then you can go into the media side up about how if you don't get your vaccine, you're killing your grandparents and you're killing, you know, showing us video of people dropping dead in China and just the whole fucking psyop from start to finish, and even still going is just, I'm, I'm glad it happened because I'm awake now, completely awake. I mean, it, once you see the matrix, it's a hundred percent real and it's fucking everywhere. It's just, it's, it's so weird um, recognizing that, it's true. And then being, you know, loved ones in your family, I have a family members that still, you know, I, I certain things I do not discuss because it's too much of a hot topic. They think I'm just fucking paranoid 
uh, conspiracy theorist or whatever. Um, but so it's totally completely true. It's the it's the big food, big pharma, you know, big medicine now complex that it's a you know birth to death vertically integrated business model where. I mean, think about it. Do you remember when they were convincing mothers that breast milk was bad for babies and feed them formula? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, how fucking sick do you have to be for that? For I mean, and so it's just these little things that you just don't think about. So the so how's it affected me? Um, it woke me up. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, I regret every day taking the vaccine. Um, that was my fault for not. You know, I'd gotten lazy. My job. I use vaccines every day um and they work i assumed that this was a killed covid virus vaccine um that they just you know isolated the vaccine they either modified it to make it weak or they killed it you know which is how rabies vaccine work which is how parvo vaccines work that i use every day so i was like hey sign me up whatever i know how this works they're effective they say it works it's 95 percent. whatever let's go do it i didn't dig in deep enough to the mrna and the implications of what that meant it's such a new thing that most people didn't they just I just trust the big brains. People are falling dead in China. Fuck that. I don't want that to happen to me. So let's go get it. Um, thank God I never got any side effects from it. You know, I didn't get this big sore arm and the two days sickness that they say was good for you. I didn't get any of that shit. Um, so, you know, some people, I haven't gone into the, was it a real vaccine or was it saline rabbit hole? But there's some theories that talk about some of them with saline, especially early. So who knows? doesn't matter. Um, it does matter, but, um, but my wife, she got the whole sickness thing and whatever, but so, yeah, but to where I am now, yeah, it's hard to ignore, you know, I have no symptoms. I mean, I work out like a maniac, um, you know, I'm probably one of the fitter mid 40 year olds in the state. Um, and I can say that with confidence. And so, uh, but it bugs me. I still wonder if I have a fucking stroke. Or if I'm just going to fucking drop dead. So that has been hard to shake. Uh, but I use it as motivation. You know, I get in the gym and I eat right. And I do my cold immersions just to stress my body that, hey, if this is in there, at least I'm going to, if I'm going to die from this thing, I'm going to die fighting. And so I use it as motivation now. You know, the healthier I can be, the less likely I am to whatever fucking die suddenly or whatever you want to use. <laughs> cold immersions. That's something you got onto so, me on a, uh, under I, I tweeted something out the other day. Ah, oh, flush niacin, because I'd had uh, Rumic right. on the tweet. Uh, excuse me, Rumic on the uh, the pod, and I'd managed to find uh, some flush niacin. I've got some powder stuff on the way now because I think it's it's just incredible stuff. And randomly, I've been taking yeah, that. I don't, for, I don't know uh, about niacin. I have to listen to that one. Right. So you yeah you got to dig into it. It's, it's crazy because you you mentioned Reynolds disease earlier. Yep. Are you back? Yeah. Yep. You mentioned Reynolds disease earlier. Yeah. Did I catch that? I got a little bit of lag going on. Okay. Hopefully that lag will clear. Uh, hold on one more time. What? You mentioned earlier Reynolds disease. Did I did I catch that correctly? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, humans yeah, you, ha humans yeah, have you, that you, too, you right? I don't have it. No, I don't have it. No, but didn't you mention... And I don't know like, if animals... Maybe, maybe I... Maybe I'd misheard you. I thought you'd said cats or something had suffered from Reynolds disease or anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. No, no, I don't. Okay. I, that wasn't me. I don't, if they get it, I don't know anything about it. Right. Okay. Anyway, so I've been suffering with that for many years. Uh, basically, right. 
dead, dead man's finger, some some people call it. Uh, it's when you walk out into the cold, uh, and it happens, you know, when spring, uh, excuse me, um, autumn's turned to winter. And even if you've got like the thickest gloves on, it doesn't matter. Uh, one or two fingers will just go dead on each one of my hands. Ever since I've been taking this flush nice and it's not it's not happened. It's just blowing my mind so far. Right. But I tweeted that and then underneath you you're straight at me with uh, have you tried the cold immersion? I'm like, fuck cold shit. I'm trying to get away from cold shit. But now right. you've got me the last three mornings, I'm doing the breathing and the freaking cold shower for 30 seconds, uh, the Wim Hof stuff. So I'm trying it out. Right. But what what what's it done for you? Oh so I I was um I got into Wim Hof like four or five years ago when he really broke in six years ago or whatever. I mean, I've always been one. Uh, I've always been very interested in pushing human boundaries. Um, and so, you know, just physical endurance and stuff like that. I don't know what I just, I just like that zone where, you know, what can we do? And then when Wim started doing his thing where he just, you know, came into the world scene with all of his crazy videos, I'm like, it's fucking crazy. And said, it looks awesome whatever um it's it seems like it's hard it seems like it's tough i'm gonna try it and then hated it because at the time i lived in a house i didn't have a pool all i had was a shower um and the cold shower is miserable it's actually worse it's actually worse than a cool a cold lake uh, in my opinion um but at first i hated it i'm like this is crazy jump out do the whole thing and then i realized that this is just um this is just what cold feels like. This isn't pain. And then I started to get into the physiology of what it's doing to your vasculature, opening and closing. And, you know, cause all your veins uh, and arteries have muscles in them. And so they're, they're like a bicep where, you know, through exercise, they dilate and they strengthen when you're that controls your blood pressure. Well, cold water immersion, you know, strengthens those muscles and makes them more reactive uh, in your veins. And so you actually get to the point where it, it doesn't hurt anymore quote unquote hurt to get in a freezing cold water. Then after a period of time, um, and between you, you don't want to get into, we start shivering because then you start getting in the catecholamine release and all that stuff. You want to barely, you want to stay in until you start to shiver and then you realize, okay, I can't control the shivering anymore. It's time to get out. But just the, the, it's called hormesis. Um, it's, it's exposure to, you know, Toxin hormesis is like exposure to a poison over a long period of time where you're not, not but cold hormesis is the same thing. It's physical hormesis where at first you get in like this terrible, it's painful. I hate it. But the more you do it, your body adapts to it and the better you go. And then you, just, you can get into the rabbit hole of how good it is for you as far as, you know, what it's doing for you. But it's, I love it. Like I, um, I try to go at least if there's 30 days in a month, I shoot for 15 and you know, I try to get cold and wet for, you know, half the, half the days of the month. Um, because I normally try to do it in the morning and I just, if I feel shot out of a cannon, man, I mean, it's like, it's just, I'm so alert at work, you know, I'm happy cause it's a huge dopamine release. Um, and so it's, it's done wonders for me. Uh, the breathing I should really get into. I just don't have time. I did get into the breathing four or five years ago, way back then. And you can get in some crazy hallucinations, you know, if you get deep into it, like it's, it's kind of fun <laughs> to, to experience the flashing lights and you know the whatever you know it's not it's not like a long prolonged hallucination but you get some really intense short ones and i've always been fascinated by that um so the breathing definitely can take you places and that's something i need to add back but it does take a lot of time and i don't have that much time to sit there and breathe for 30 minutes but like i say if it's a priority i can make it a time but right now it's really not a priority so i'm sticking with the cold and um 
But the biggest thing is, and and it kind of goes back to this is my personal theory of how soft society has gotten. Like we are so soft that we just the thought of people getting into cold water, they just won't do it. Period. It's like, are you crazy? I'm getting into cold water. And in my mind, like I'm I'm not a badass or anything, but I do like to test limits. I think that's why we're here. And I think it's integral to the human experience is to test your limits and have rites of passage and things like that, which is I think what think we're lacking severely in our society. It's why we're seeing so much decay. But just people just are so soft. Um, just get, take a cold fucking shower. Realize you're going to be warm in 20 minutes. You're going to be warm in five minutes. If you're in a shower and you don't like it, you just turn the knob to the left and you're going to be warm in five seconds. So um, so anybody listening to this, I'm not calling you a pussy, but if you think you're soft, because most people know when they're soft. They know it. They just don't like to think about it and they put it way back in the brain and they just like, I don't want to deal with this. But you know when you're soft. So if you're if you're if you if you want to make yourself a little bit harder just start with the cold water just start and then set a goal like i'm gonna do five seconds today i'm gonna do eight seconds tomorrow i'm gonna do and friday's the big day i'm gonna do 30 seconds and just keep doing it eventually you'll be staying there you'll take in all your showers and you'll be there for 20 minutes and you know because at something for me at least around three minutes that's when the rush starts that's because the first three minutes are uncomfortable i'm not gonna say i love cold water no i hate fucking hate cold water i don't want to go get cold it sucks um uh, in the first two to three minutes when i get in the pool my pool's 48 degrees right now i just checked it before i came up here um uh, it sucks you're like right. oh, and everything in your body wants to get out of that damn water but about three minutes for me the rush hits where i'm like oh yeah here it is this is awesome and then uh, I do some workouts with some resistance bands and some stuff in the pool while I'm cold. Um, and I'm in there for about 20 minutes, but man, after you get out, it just shot like it shot out of a cannon. So anyways, that's, I don't know where I was going. I'm kind of meandering in this conversation, but yeah, cold's awesome. Um, I don't know if you want to get into everything that's great about it and what it can do for your body, but it's just trust me on this. You can get into to the uh, cold hormesis rabbit hole and yeah watch Wim Hof's documentary I mean he's he's got to the point where he can master his immune system and crazy shit that I'm so far away from but I'm definitely seeing some health benefits from it mostly uh weight loss and skin tone mm-hmm. uh, because cold exposure activates your brown fat and brown fat is um its whole purpose is to not whole purpose it does other things but its main purpose is to generate body heat that's why you know you hear these stories about babies being left in the snow for three hours and not dying well, babies and young animals have huge amounts of brown fat and beige fat. And as we grow and go through puberty, we lose it. We never lose it completely. Even the most obese person has brown fat cells in their body that you can reawaken and you can make multiply. And how you do that is by getting cold. Um, and so, you know, these people, if you got some, just some body fat that you want to trim off because it's bugging you and you've tried everything, then try cold um because you'll activate that brown fat and then you know because brown fat feeds on carbs um and then uh actually feeds on your body fat too so i don't i'm not an expert on the metabolism of that i've read a lot about it but i can't sit here and spout it off so i'm not going to because i don't want to be wrong um but you can find the information so um you know it's not just cardiovascular health and mental health and with the dopamine release it's also you know you can start carving off fat big time by getting cold Oh, right. Okay. Who wouldn't want to do that? Let's let's switch gears to a couple of other things that you are very focused on at the moment on Twitter. And I got two or three of them 
jot it down here. Uh, El Salvador. Yeah, it's terrifying when you sit here and tell me you're pulling my tweets because I'm <laughs> all over the damn map when I tweet. <laughs> but El Salvador, so like, you, oh, you, you, you're tweeting a lot about El Salvador. So, yeah. Oh, what, God, um, El Salvador's awesome. Okay. What, what went down? So, uh, have you been? No, not yet. Oh, get ready. Um, so, just me and my wife had a, you know, our 20th anniversary was during COVID. And so we couldn't go anywhere. So we put it off for two years. And finally, we're like, we got to do something. You know, we survived 22 years. And, you know, it's, it's been a marriage. It, it's awesome now. Um, but we survived. And a lot of my uh, issues was stopping drinking. So if you have any marital problems and you're drinking, just take some advice from Alabama friend and knock that off, see what happens for a while. Anyways, not the point. So we survived. Uh, we were going to go to somewhere fun to uh, celebrate. And uh, I said, let's go to Salvador. I've heard so much about Bitcoin Beach. My wife knows I'm balls deep into Bitcoin. And I was like, I want to go see how it how it's really like. We hear that, that they're, you know, everyone takes Bitcoin in El Salvador and it's Bitcoin Wonderland. And I want to go experience it. And you know, everything I've read said it's safe. They've gotten rid of the gangs. She was like, I am not going to El Salvador. I don't care what you've read. We're not going, blah, blah, blah. And so I had to dig deep. Like, I had to call the hotel. I'm like, what's the gang situation like? They're like, dude, it's totally safe. We will pick you up from the airport. We get that you're worried about it. We will pick you up at your terminal and drive you straight to the resort and just, you'll be fine. It's like, you don't even have to leave the resort if you're that scared. I'm like, all right, cool. So I told her that. She's like, all right, that sounds fair. Let's just do that. And so, of course, the they better Piro Surf. Uh, shout out to Piro Surf and Elizante. That's the best hotel in Elizante. You, you want to stay there if you go, and it's not expensive at all. Um, but they picked us up at the airport, 45 minutes from Elizante. The place is beautiful, um, right on the ocean. And um, the first night, we just hung out, ate a bunch of food, and just kind of taking the scenery. Um, so we got there, you know, midday. We didn't do that much. But the next day, we went on a waterfall a hike up in Tamini, which is like 30 minute drive from Zante. And uh, our guide was super awesome. I sat there and talked to him, like, what do you know about Bitcoin? You know, how are the gangs? I want your perspective because this is what we hear in the news. He laid it all out. I and mean, these guys are fluent. Uh, and he's like, the gang thing was super real. Like every single town had gangsters and they took a tax on everything. If you didn't pay your tax, they'd either beat the shit out of you, kill you, take your uncle, you know, destroy your business. And he's like, uh, Bukele absolutely got rid of the gangs. And he's like, it's been night and day. He's like, we can actually live our life now without constantly being in fear. Um, and so that was day two. And that put our eyes, that our minds at ease. You know, we saw no gangsters of any kind. We saw, you know, out put it this way within 12 hours i was completely comfortable i was like yeah we're gonna be fine here and then it took about two days my wife's like yeah it's fine when I mean, we tell totally safe um you know we did volcano tours i mean we were just staying in the resort we're walking around zante we're just going to tunco we're just checking everything out um zero danger the entire time uh people are super friendly um try their damnedest to speak english which is better than me i know no spanish and so um I don't know. It's just awesome. And, and the one thing that really got me about El Salvador is they, you, there's a palpable sense of hope there, um, which is for us in the United States and you know, probably Europe. I don't know how it is over there, but it just feels hopeless. And there's so much politics and everybody is, you're either on this team or you're that team and fuck you and fuck you and fuck you back. And the economy is going to shit and we all know it's just, 
you get down there, it's just everyone's hopeful. Everyone's nice. You know, does it have to do with Bitcoin? Probably not that much right now. I think it has more of the fact that they got rid of the gangsters, I think was the biggest thing. Um, because the, you know, my experience on the ground was very few people took Bitcoin or even knew much about it. I mean, I was an orange pilling our guy. And, you know, kind of an etiquette thing, which I've read before I went there, was you know, ask them if they want dollars, if they want Bitcoin, and then just pay them what they want. Um, 100%, everybody wanted dollars. But I would say, hey, let me tip you in Bitcoin. Like, you know, I'd pay for the excursion in dollars. I'd tip them in dollars. But I'd say, hey, let me extra tip you in some Bitcoin. And I'd show them how to download a wallet and zap them you know, 10, 20 bucks or whatever it was. You know, like that. So, you know, the business is, you know, uh, we went and ate at Max and Stacy's place. I don't think they own it, but they're always staying there. A garden. We went up and ate at Garden. They took Bitcoin. Um, the biggest issue was connectivity. Like the Wi-Fi was fucking up, and I didn't have a SIM card in my phone. And so it's still very, very early. Um, and I went back. So that was June for our honeymoon, just me and my wife. And I went back to adopting Bitcoin in conference in November. And that was in San Salvador. So I spent four days there. Um a little bit more Bitcoin awareness there, um, especially around the conference, because obviously it's a Bitcoin conference. Um, but it just seems it's still very early days. I would say us in Bitcoin Twitter land, we think it's like everybody's taking Bitcoin and you whip out a wallet and a QR code and you're done. It's not like that at all. <laughs> it's growing. And I think they're, they're starting to learn the purpose of it. Um, but you know, the store of value thing didn't do them any favors when it was going up to 60 and then crashed down to 15 or 16 or whatever the hell it was. Um, because, you know, being a very, very poor country, you know, they understand saving, but if you're living day to day, you know, check the check gig to gig, you don't have the capacity to absorb a 50% drawdown or a 30% drawdown. That's fucking sucks. And so, you know, the timing of it probably couldn't have been worse as far as having this huge run up and then all of a sudden, and all these people that did have it saw their savings evaporate. Um, but anyways, I think they're getting it. I think they're, I mean, I can't speak for them. I'm not going to, um, but just my observation, it, you know, from June to November, it seemed like there was more awareness of it. You know, my cab driver knew about it. He got his Chivo wallet and all that and said Chivo kind of sucked. And so I got him on Moon Wallet and you know, we tipped him out on that. And, you know, we had a 45 minute ride to the airport and this, this guy was a, uh, He's fluent, he used to live in Boston, but he lost his visa and had to go back. So, um, but he was awesome. Like, he completely got it after, you know, it, he didn't get it. He knew kind of what it was, but nothing. But me and my buddy Barkley had 45 minutes to orange pill this guy. And at the end, he was jacked. Like, in, we, <laughs> you know, we each gave him 100 bucks and he was like, this is amazing. Like, he's just freaking out. And um, so, anyways, El Salvador is awesome. Take your kids. Like, um, we're going to take ours back because there's an awesome surf camp in El Zante where they have Zante's got like a huge point break with these scary fucking huge eight, 10 foot waves that it's awesome to go watch the surfers there because it's a surf town uh, way before it's Bitcoin town. Uh, and these people will just go out there and shred it. It's like watching professional surfers for free. And I was like, I'm terrified. There's no way I'm going to do that. Cause I want to learn how to surf. And I thought that was what you was. Well, if you walk a little bit down from the point break, there's the bunny beach is what I call it. It's just a super flat, very shallow three and four foot rollers. And they put you on this big giant fat board and they get you up and it's a hell of a lot of fun. So, um, we're already planning on taking our kids there. Like it's, it's so safe and so awesome that no problem bringing my kids there. So that's, it is beautiful. Um, although the biggest thing is before I 
switch gears for me listening um people are sleeping El Salvadoran food like we went down there I was expecting beans and rice and chicken you know traditional what what I think of which I was way wrong uh Central American food is holy shit man the El Salvador cuisine is amazing like the seafood and every meal and just every steak we had was just amazingly taste tasteful but one thing that really stood out is uh every single meal they present to you like it's a work of art they don't just throw it on food like here's your food go eat it fat ass like here's like this is something we made and we're proud of it like every meal every restaurant we even ate it like little crappy little you know tin can pupuserias and that lady still took time to like make it look beautiful and so if you're if you're a foodie definitely go to El Salvador because I think that's a everybody's sleeping on El Salvador food that was the biggest surprise awesome man well I want to bring you back yeah. to because again you tweeted something about it and you've just mentioned it before we talked about this about uh kicking the booze uh, and also if I remember rightly pull me up if it's incorrect but kicking some um some kind of drug no, I was uh, on for Adderall. Adderall. Adderall for ADHD or something. Yeah. So what, what's, yeah. uh, what's the backstory on these things? Man, do you want the long story, or the short story? <laughs> oh, come on, man. We, we, the, long, the, the long story for the plebs, because yeah, they love, story, they love right. these personal, personal rides. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm an open book. I mean, if I could help anybody, I'm going to do it. Like I'm, I'm finally, you know, I'm, I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. I'll put it that way. And so, uh, lots of life experience. It most of it was hard earned. And so, if I can uh, share it and help somebody, let's go. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, ADHD start off does not run in my family, and never has. Um, you know, we got a little bit of depression on my grandparents' side or whatever, but mostly a very mentally health family. So, uh, yeah, I started drinking in eighth grade, not like heavy drinking, but we we're sneaking in the woods, sneaking, sneaking beers and all that stuff, but the big thing that that hooked me was um and i learned this through alcohol recovery is some people can drink and they go oh that's fun and just not think about it when i got a buzz i was like oh this is what it's like to interact with people like i'm funny like i feel comfortable like it was like even back in eighth grade it was a switch i was like this is good i got confidence um and so you know if you're one of those people that's it's a big red flag uh, i didn't know it at the time and so I use that as a crutch, you know, just social drinking through high school. And, you know, I made good grades. I was a good student. You know, college, you know, that's where I really started developing a binge drinking problem. Um, I wasn't an everyday alcoholic because I knew I was going to go to vet school and I was very driven. And I was, there's no plan B. I was going to get into vet school. So I knew when it was time to party and I knew it was time to study. But when I partied, I partied. Like it was all, ga all gas, no brakes, blackout, just doing asshole shit, being an idiot. Um, and then, you know, at, so that was undergraduate and into vet school, uh, you know, work hard, play hard is the strategy, but then it never really, you know, I got married in vet school, same wife, she's still here. God bless her. Um, but then, you know, that the alcohol crutch really, uh, the been drinking never stopped. I put it that way. So I'm now I'm 27, 28, I'm an adult, I'm 30, 31, still been drinking like an idiot. You know, I could go to work. I was like, you know, what they, what's the term? Uh, high functioning, that's it. Uh, so high functioning alcoholic where you can have a job, you can have family and everything. You can keep holding your life together, but you're still just getting hammered, you know, 
two or three days out of the week. Um, I was extremely high functioning. I was, you know, very competitive CrossFit athlete, started a business. I was killing it, you know, had a family, family's great. What I thought was great. <laughs> um, but you know, like the story always unfolds, eventually the, the, the bill comes due, um, where, you know, the bad part about the, uh, the drinking, the binge drinking was, is, uh, I black out and go into these rages, you know, never physical or anything like that, but I was a total fucking asshole. And, uh, my wife one day basically said, uh, it's, uh, us or, us or uh, the drinks, but you can't have both. And I got humbled real quick, uh, thrown out of my house and had to go live with my parents. You know, this is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a 40 year old man when this happened, right? Making a ton of money, um, practice, everything's great. And I am living in my parents' fucking guest bedroom because um, my wife's threw me out. So, um, but how that ties into pharma. So back in my head, my first kid, I got super anxious, super depressed, and like bad depression and went to a doctor. She's like, okay, you got ADD. You got adult onset ADD. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is. She's like, that's, you know, ADD is the underlying cause of your depression. So if you address your ADD issues, um, I mean, she completely... Either I lied to her because I was a pretty convincing liar or whatever, but she never addressed the drinking. Um, she's like, basically, we got ADD. Uh, take this Adderall, which is methamphetamine, essentially, um, and everything will get better. And you, of course, you give someone methamphetamine for the first time. It's awesome. You're like, holy crap, this is amazing. I'm like living life on warp speed. I can concentrate. I can get all the work done. It's awesome. So I was on that for years. And yeah, my um, anxiety, depression kind of lifted, but it was always kind of there. Um, but it always surged back. And then, um, you know, the gist of the story is the alcohol is responsible for the depression and anxiety. Uh, there's a book that everyone should read, even if you have a problem or not. It's just, it's called Alcohol Explained. And it's all it is. It's, um, I forgot who wrote it, but you found it on Amazon. Um, and it's not preachy. It's not pro-alcohol or against alcohol. It just says, this is what it's doing to your body. And it's the physiological facts. And he goes way into the brain chemistry about how it's doing this and doing that. And it makes you, you know, you ever, you ever got really hungover on Sunday and you have something called the moral hangover. You're like, what am I doing? And you're anxious and your heart's pounding and you're like, what the fuck? And everything's just horrible. That is your brain chemistry that is just completely whacked out from what the alcohol did to it. So if you're going to, if you have depression, and anxiety issues and you're drinking, just start with alcohol explained. And then make your own decisions. That's like the user's guide for alcohol. Um, and so everybody, you know, if you got a problem or not, you should drink it or um, read it. So anyways, um, so I was on, and then they put me on, can't, Stratera, whatever. I can't remember the words. Uh, antidepressants. So I got on SSRIs. Thank God I never really got it stuck on those because they gave me the brain zaps. And it made me feel so numb that like my own kid could have died. And I describe it as I knew I should be sad, but I wouldn't have been sad. Like it numbs you that bad. Like it's, it's just awful. And so I really feel for anybody that's on SSRIs. I'm not saying get off of them, talk to your doctor. Um, but for me, it was just terrible. Um, so if they got never gone out of the Adderall, I'd never quit. And I was on that for a good 10 years, um, even after I got sober. So I was sober four years now. Now still on it. And then, um, just going back to my waking up from 
the COVID thing, I realized, you know what, as much as I rail against big pharma, I'm still captured by big pharma because I'm over here to need my Adderall because I got to go to work. Um, and I, it just dawned on me. I was like, I don't fucking need this. Like I'm damn near 50 years old. I can't be an 80 year old man eating Adderall. You just can't. It just, there, no, it, this, and you look back in history and like, this isn't a historical thing. People used to not have to deal with this you know, whatever you think you need it for, get your shit together and get off of it. And so finally just kicked it. Uh, the withdrawals were real. Two weeks were awful because uh, my brain really wanted that amphetamine. Um, then finally it was gone. And so for the first time and God, 25 years, I'm finally free of pharma. Um, and it would just made me realize now how powerful and insidious it is. Like they're, capture mechanism is so well-funded it is so strong i mean look at just look at the twitter files they they even your messages you're receiving are edited and censored and it's just and like you talked about earlier follow the money follow the money follow the money like it is and so i i i kind of rail i don't i don't really rail on twitter i give the npcs some shit um but I have a huge amount of empathy for him because I was one and I was captured and I was suicidally captured. And so, yeah. And so there's a lot of me that I just want to scream, wake up. But I think the ones that don't, I don't have as much pity for, but the ones that just don't know that they're captured, those are the ones that really, I have a huge amount of empathy for uh, because it's such a powerful mechanism that a lot of people just don't know that they're captured. And if you don't know, start, looking at your life and asking questions and you know, follow that rabbit hole. And if you're not genuinely curious then I can't help you, but if you have a little bit of curiosity, start asking questions. Why am I on this medication or why is, why am I fat or why am I lazy or why am I afraid of uh, summers being hot? <laughs> you know, things like that. It's very brave of you to, you know, own up to these things for want of a better phrase uh, and, uh, you know, lay it all out there. So thank you for being so open about it. Um, it's, yeah, man. I'm sure it's going to help people. And I just checked uh, William Porter is the name of the uh, author of that book, Alcohol Explained. Yeah. And I think there are two actually I saw on the website there. So if anybody wants to check that out, uh, uh, I kind of, I kind of do and I don't, you know, uh, that's, um, it's great. I'm sitting here. Like I do all of these podcasts, it hits nine o'clock. I, I have a beer with with everyone I, I'm sitting here chatting to. Um, yeah, and, and why? Which is fine, man. Like I don't judge people on their alcohol consumption. I just, and I miss the hell out of it. I'll be completely honest. I I don't anymore, actually. The first two years, I missed that buzz. I was so addicted that like, mm. even two years out, I was like, God, I just want to get a buzz. It's I think Frank I the Tank, finally- right? In old school. Like, you know, once it hits your yeah. lips yes yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was me all gas no brakes oh. um so i'm finally over the sneaky urge just to go get it um and i don't judge people i mean some people like you can have a beer and just here's the difference this is the difference what was explained to me my wife she could always have a glass of wine hmm. and put half of it down and go i'm going to bed right and i'd be like why are you like if you're some people can put it down and be like that's all i need done and Mm -hmm. they don't have a problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) i couldn't put an empty bottle of wine back in the fridge that thing was either (laughs) empty in the garbage can or i never opened it there is no difference and so so but you know but but the fact is it you know some people have a problem with 
don't, 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 totally fine. And it's great. But the truth is that any dose, alcohol is a neurotoxin. Mm-hmm. And, of course. And, yeah. It is a neuro, it's, and it's one of the most powerful inhibitors of REM sleep there is. That's why. Uh, that, of what? Sorry. That's the. Um, uh, of uh, REM sleep. sleep. Right. Okay. REM sleep. Yeah. Right. Um, a great book called Why We Sleep. Uh, I forgot who wrote that one too, but that's an awesome book. Um, everybody should read also. But mm-hmm. but so people, the, the irony is people have a drink because they want to go to sleep. Okay. Well, have you ever, have you ever figured out you know, when you pass out, you you think you're having the best sleep ever, but you woke up and you're tired and exhausted. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're blackout drunk and you slept for 12 hours, you should feel like a champion the next day. But the truth is you feel like absolute shit. And the reason was because you weren't asleep. You're, it's alcohol is such an inhibitor of, of deep, deep wave, uh, deep brainwave sleep and REM sleep, which is the real restorative, healthy sleep that you stay in light or alpha wave, whatever wave is the precursor sleep all night. So yeah, you're physically not moving, you're laying in bed, but you're not really sleeping. And so you, you wake up from a really bad hangover. And so, and that ties back into anxiety and depression, because if you don't sleep good and you're propensity for anxiety depression is off the charts and so it all goes back so the sad thing is people that are self-medicating their anxiety depression with alcohol they don't know it. they're just making it worse and mm-hmm. i was one of them you know if i had like a really anxious day because the environment or some shit like that I'd go home get drunk stop thinking about it well, <laughs> the next day I'd come back 10 times harder so it's a, it's a good book to read just like i say it's a user manual for alcohol i think if you're gonna if you're gonna ingest it i don't care either way it's for you to decide but I think everybody has a responsibility to their body and their brain to figure out what it's actually doing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It takes me back to my, uh, financial markets days where, you know, you'd go out and just get wrecked three nights a week, uh, for the cause, you know, you'd take it out clients and and whatever else. And, And thankfully I managed to sidestep all of the hard class A drugs. And the only thing, I would ever you ever ever touch would be you know beer, red wine, and the odd vodka yeah. soda or something. But those hangovers were just so like oh, oh, yeah, they're not good. They're certainly not good. All right, brother. Uh, last thing, mining. You seem yeah, to I- be you seem to be uh, mining a lot of Bitcoin whilst uh, slicing <laughs> dogs open. So what's going on? Right. Well, I am the world's dumbest miner. <laughs> so I'm mining at a loss. And I'm mining at a huge loss. Um, but KYC sats appeal to me. So I, I'm running some S9 and mostly so it, I I already had a lightning node uh, and I, I built it up to a routing node. I mean, I had 200 channels like I was. So it was just a curiosity. I wanted to run lightning. And so the way I've always worked is I learn through doing, uh, I can read stuff and I can watch videos and I go, okay, it's interesting, but I had to like do it for me to get it. And I'm like, I want to understand lightning. Like I, I kind of get it. I understand it's layer two, but I don't understand how it works. And I do not know the technical stuff. And as far as, you know, I sat in at Miami last year, I sat in the developer room and holy shit, I, I don't have a clue what the dudes are talking about. There's some smart dudes in there. But I wanted to know at least like what a channel was, like how the channels worked and how the sats moving back and forth worked and how the fee rates worked. And so I got that far into it. Um, you know, I just bought a little Raspberry Pi and did an umbral and started working. 
Well, then, uh, that was, I had a lot of fun doing it. I didn't make any money. Um, there's the routing fees. You just, I mean, you have to route a lot to make some money. I can't, I think I added it all up. I think I came out, you know, excluding equipment costs, I was negative 20 bucks on fees for opening and closing channels versus what I made. So it was a net loss, but it's net positive as far as learning experience. Um, my takeaway from that is the routing notes are going to be giant corporations. They're not going to be someone sitting in their basement running a computer. It's just, it's not going to happen. Um, but I understood to a level that I felt was like, okay, I get it. That's pretty cool. It's definitely going to be the future. And so, you know, and then what, what made me destroy my lightning though, is the attack on tour, uh, umbral runs on tour mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, and the tour attack made the channel latency so bad that my node kept forced closing my channels. And so I finally just said, fuck it and just closed it all. And that's like, I'll let, I'll let the routing node people have their thing and I'm just going to move on. But then mining was the next thing is like, um, you know, shout out to shout out to Nashville, Bitcoin, Bitcoin park. Um, if, if you're listening and you're in the States or even if you're international, definitely find a way to get to Bitcoin park in Nashville for a meetup. It's, incredible it's it's like bitcoin utopia it's amazing um but they talk about home mining a lot and uh, dr fomo uh, is a guy there uh follow dr fomo on twitter he's awesome um he's big into home mining and i was like hey man you know i sat on one of his things and i, like, I want to get into mining what do i do he's like just start with an s9 just get one figure it out I'm like where do i get that it's like ebay so a couple hundred bucks on ebay got an s9 and figured out how to change the the wallet it mines too and this and that and then you know bought a few more then finally dawned to me like all right winter's coming up i can use the space heaters because I'm, I'm heating my house and whatever then you know i could go from like ex- being extremely not profitable to at least maybe break even if i'm using the heat productively and so i threw some couple miners in my crawl space that's just you know I didn't hook them into the AC because I didn't want to get that far, but they're heating my crawl space, which is, you can definitely tell the difference. And then I'm looking down the hallway, I'm upstairs. I got one right there. Uh, I'd show you too, but I can't, but I've designed the footprint super small and it's really quiet. So that guy's mining. And then the one you probably saw on Twitter is, um, so we have something at work called a bear hugger and they actually have it in human medicine too. It's just a, it's just a big heater that blows warm air on post-op patients, you know, because usually when you get anesthesia, temperature drops. And so when you wake up, they want to bring you back up and, you know, warm air is one of the best ways to do it. And so I was looking at this thing one day, I'm like, things are stupid. I just plug it in the wall, it makes heat and blows air. I was like, I know something else that does that. And so I brought an S9 to work, <laughs> threw a quilt on top of it. And yeah, we use that daily to, for our post-op patients. Uh, I just sent a few pictures out because it's cute. But, um, and, you know, our winners in Alabama are kind of psychotic it can be 70 degrees one day and 30 degrees one day so there's a lot of turning it on and off because it does those things are great heaters if you if you want a s9 space heater they kick out a lot of heat but uh yeah so yeah that's my s9 story and so i got a pretty good grasp on mining you know i do but i don't um uh, i get it i know what it's doing i know a little bit about the you know jewels per terahash and efficiency and stuff like that and I realize I'm never going to be a huge miner, so it's fun. Mm-hmm. I'm mostly doing it for the KYC and the premium I pay on it. It's fine. doesn't bother me. So I will shut down our summer. Our summers are brutally hot here. And so I'll, I'll pull the plug during the summer because then it just makes no sense to keep spending all this money making heat. So, so yeah, I'm using it in wintertime. It's, you know, I'll keep the one at work, though, because we have to use the heater. So at least I'll have one mining. I'll have my 13 terahash. So. 
part of the network securing it. They are fun to play around with. Uh, another player uh, sent me a couple and uh, I've been playing around with them. We've moved house and I need to, that's why I put out a tweet yesterday because I want to heat our basement here uh, because we, that's where my wife and I sleep. It's been converted into an apartment uh, and we're right. using a freaking electric heater for just an hour and a half, two hours before we go to bed, just to take the edge off the cold because it's winter. I'm like, Oh damn, right. I need to, I need to buy like 60, 70 meter long ethernet cable so I can get the thing rigged into the router. And I'm like, wait, Surely one of those Wi-Fi extenders with the uh, Ethernet plug-in, couldn't I use that? So I That's what I'm running mine off of. You are? Okay, fine. Then that yeah. fucking works. I'll, like, I'll send uh, you a picture of mine. My, I'm looking at the one now. It literally has a, a one-foot-by-one-foot footprint because I'm mm. running it vertically. Mm -hmm. I'll take a picture of the whole getup for you, but it runs off one of those Ethernet things. Just plug in. There you go. And oh, it's, it's you can't even hear it. It's solved. quiet, and it's a very effective heater. So I'll, I'll shoot you a picture of this thing. Perfect. Love it. All right, man. Can I hit you with the last question? Sure. If you had one last orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? Mm. Mm, that's a good question. You know, I would probably, this might be controversial or not, but I don't care. I'd probably say Vladimir Putin. Um, because you know he's got his thing going on in ukraine i'm not gonna in the middle of that um but whatever it is he's got his thing uh and the world you know they're sitting on a you know the world's biggest supply of natural resources i mean they got it and our the world's need for commodities is not going to go anywhere it's just going to go up and so he's been cut off from swift and um you know all, all that man has to do is say, all right, we're not selling a single commodity unless we're selling it for Bitcoin. Uh, because we know the paper that you're paying, you're, you're giving to us for this oil um, has no value because you're just going to mm -hmm. keep printing paper. You know, once once he gets orange pilled and figures out you can't print no Bitcoin, then that changes the game for everybody. You know, because commodities run the show. Without commodities, we're not doing anything. And the civilization comes to a standstill. So I think he has a tremendous amount of power to push Bitcoin forward by getting pushed into a corner, which he is. I'm not going to say it's a – for whatever reason, he's in a corner. Let's just leave it at that. Um, and if I were to orange pill, I'd orange pill him. And he wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? We're not selling our shit unless it's for Bitcoin. And I think that pushes Bitcoin so far into the future um, where it makes people wake up and go, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. How do we deal with this? And – they're going to, you know, of course, deal with it by trying to fight against it. But if he holds his ground, then I think the more they learn about it, just classic story, the more people learn about it, the more they realize this is off. This is fair money, which the kleptocrats don't want fair money. So it's a whole different discussion. But I think it'll wake up normal people saying, why is why is this world leader wanting it? Where the average normal normie can wake up and study it and go, oh, OK, I get it. And then, you know, that pushes the, you know, good or bad, everything's good for Bitcoin. So Putin wakes up, says he wants it. Every media post in the world loses their minds, goes crazy, tells everybody how terrible Bitcoin is. Well, at least a certain amount of people go, damn, what's this reaction for? That's a violent reaction. There must be something to this. <laughs> and why is that? So anyway, that's my answer. Well, there's no wrong or right answer, man. So 
Yeah. What about you? What about you? I haven't asked you any questions. Yeah. What about you? Who's your orange pill? Who's your orange pill go to? Uh, I always say Greta uh, because of the damage she did to people with the fucking climate change, which you've been talking about right. earlier, and especially with uh, you know having young kids. Uh, she was very persuasive to young teenagers, especially young teenage girls. And I, I got yeah. three daughters, and um, yeah. yeah, the damage she's done psychologically to people, the anxiety, the depression that she has rained down on people, whether she knew it or not, whether she's a puppet, whether she's bought by big WEF, who knows, whatever, right. doesn't matter. If she were orange-pilled, she could t- she could undo all of that in a matter of weeks. And it's, yeah, it's interesting. I agree. That's a great the, answer. The, the, this last three, this last week, three, it's the third one I've seen today, so there, there could be more. But I've seen three personally. One in uh, what was the paper today? I can't remember. Um, damn it! But yesterday it was Forbes, and the start of the week it was City AM, talking about how Bitcoin can uh, effectively manage a grid and make uh, you know a huge uh, improvement to um, the environment rather than a detrimental no drain on it. Yeah, like the narrative. Bam. Three yeah. articles in the same week, three different sources, right. and three different authors as well. It's not like one of these things has been blanket put out and everyone's picking up on it and changing a few paragraphs yeah. and making it the, the, you know, their own. And what I love about it is it just makes a mockery of Greenpeace. And they yeah. are, um, you know, their integrity was burnt the minute that they accepted that money from the XRP Absolutely. guys to start writing yeah. hit pieces against Bitcoin when they were trying to move uh, everything to proof of stake this, proof of stake that. And now even right. the um, the poor bastards that have been caught up in proof of stake, I saw a tweet today, I, I retweeted it. It's like, I've, I've finally figured it out. Thank you, Bitcoin right. maximalists. I've now converted everything into Bitcoin except my stake F, which I can't get to. And it just makes yeah. me so- The truth is hard to ignore. Yeah. You can ignore the truth for as long as you can, but the the truth just keeps standing at your door knocking. So that's, I mean, that's, you know, I, like everybody who's got a dollar in the Bitcoin, you're going to study it and be like, is this a scam or not? And, you know, millions and people are coming to the same conclusion that this is true. And that's what we have on our side is truth uh, because you can ignore it and you can say it's a fraud or whatever, but when it's true, it's true. And the truth usually always wins. And so we just got to be patient. We'll get there. It, it is awesome. See, CNN actually did a story too that I think um, uh, Walker's Walker's new newspaper thing, I forgot. He posted it that even CNN ran a story about how Bitcoin mining is not the devil and is actually being useful. So it's it's getting out there. It's It's, mm-hmm. it's fun to watch. Yeah, it truly is. And uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm here for it. And, and like you say, with truth on your side, that, that's the beauty about Bitcoin. And that's why people think we are maximalist, uh, uh, toxic, excuse me, um, because we have because we have the truth on our side. We have the ability to say no. Whereas before with your fiat mindset, your captured mindset, right. your normie mindset, your NPC mindset, whatever, you're so fucking confused that if right. somebody comes at you with the line 
oh, you've just got to be, uh, you know, completely. That's why we're so like woke and politically correct, right? You've got to be completely open to that guy now thinks he's a woman and wants you to call him Tracy right. for the rest of his life. And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, right. it seems legit. Yeah, like rather right. than. That's an objective lie. <laughs> right. He has a penis. <laughs> he is a male. <laughs> That's true. But we're the toxic ones for saying that. Uh, yeah, uh, isn't it crazy? Yeah, it, it's. Or, or but it well will change. It will change. It will change. The pendulum is swinging back to truth, uh, because, um, Buddha. It's an old Buddhist um, saying. Uh, there are three things you can't hide: the sun, the moon, and the truth. And it's so oh, true. nice. And that's where we're at. Right. That's exactly where we're right. at. And it's all coming to a head. Thankfully, all of it seems to be coming to a head at the same time. Uh, and, um, you know, exposing the lies of COVID, it exposing the, um, the, the lies of the, or the mismanagement, even if you want to call it the mismanagement of the injection rollout, just call it mismanagement. Yeah. People need to be bought account to account for that mismanagement right? for sure <laughs> they can't just walk away from that they can't just resign right. jacinda Arden. you cannot just right. resign and disappear just my bad sorry you died unacceptable <laughs> you know these yeah. people and boris johnson the same and you know all of his cabinet uh, that they they need to be brought to the forefront here and questioned at the very least <laughs> And you're ta you're talking about climate narrative shifting or Bitcoin narrative shifting. Well, that narrative shifting too, and you you've already seen it. And they're all doing the same playbook. We didn't know. We didn't mm -hmm. know. They're yeah. all that's what they're going to hide under. That's how they're going to avoid Nuremberg. Is they're going to claim we didn't know. And you've and, even got a lot of the normies out there saying, "Oh well, it was such a difficult, confusing time. Who would want to be head of a country at you know during a pandemic?" You're like, right. no. Like no, that is not yeah. the way to think about this in any way, right. shape, or form. We need to be thinking right. the complete opposite way. Like, what went wrong? How did it go wrong? Where were the incentives? Why did that ever happen? Why were we locked down? Why did we in France? Why did we have to print out a little attestation and sign it and date it every time we went out of our house just to go to the grocery store to get food for our god i, I didn't know you had to do that it's crazy unbelievable mm -hmm. yeah alabama's pretty based our governor came out pretty quick and uh codified into law that there will be no vaccine passports like real quick wow so even though the government was going to try to do it mm -hmm. the fact that you know how states rights work um and you, you probably know a lot about states rights but basically they codified in the law. So if the federal government has to do it, then it gets tied up in the courts and all that. So a lot of the conservative states said, hell no, we ain't doing this and codified the law real quick that there'll be no vaccine passports, period. So, so that was pretty base of our governor. You know, Alabama's got some issues, but overall it's not a bad place to be. So, yeah, it's, uh, mate. So one thing I was going to tell you real quick, uh, you reminded me about El Salvador. Yep. One thing that I, I loved about El Salvador, because the woke stuff drives me nuts. You know, any, like anybody who's seeking truth and, and the whole NPC culture and there's the, the El Salvador was so refreshing. I couldn't put my finger on it until I left is there is no woke 
cancel culture. Everybody's constantly upset and it's, it's not there. And if it is there, I didn't see it because I don't speak the language. But, um, but when, when our, our tour guide explained it to me, I kind of pointed out to him and I was like, dude, what's, and he said something that's so remarkable to me that I think I encourage everybody that lives in a really developed country that, you know, can't even imagine what a third, third world country is like, but this thing shook me like bad. Like, uh, I was like, what's the deal? You don't have this and you don't have women trying to be men and men trying to be women and blah, 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 super du jour of whatever's in style of the, the latest outrage. And he goes, bro, he goes, when you're all poor, you're all on the same team. And I was mm. just like, whoa, he's like, he's like, we, we want to see each other succeed. You know, he's like, we've been abused for so long. You know, every, he's like, eight, ever since Columbus laid eyes upon El Salvador, he's like, we have been abused and we have been robbed and we have blah, blah, blah. And great guy, his name's Rivas. Uh, shout out to uh, El Zante School Tours. If you're going to El Zante, you want an awesome tour guide, it's fluent, extremely intelligent, really funny. His name's Rivas. Hit up uh, El Zante School on Instagram to find him. Anyways, that's my plug for Rebus. But yeah, he, he was explaining the whole how, how El Salvador has just been brutalized since Columbus landed. And he's like, he's like, bro, when you're when you're poor and you're all struggling, you're all on the same team, you're all pulling for each other. And I was like, that and that I was like, that's it. That's that's what I'm tapping into. And so it's kind of almost depressing to go back to the States after you've been there, you know. I know yeah. it's a vacation state of mind, and it's not all utopia. I'm sure if I lived there long enough, some of the mm-hmm. shit would of bubble course. to the surface. But, yeah. um, but it was palpable, and that's why. If you look uh, on my tweet, I said, "Book your vacation; it'll change you." And that's what I was alluding to. I was like, "You need to get there and get in a culture where everybody's not at each other's throats constantly, and everybody's outraged, and everybody's trying to come at you and cancel you." This, it's like we've been in it for so long that we don't know what it's like to not be in it. And when I was there, I was like, oh, this is what it's like to not be in it. People are just working and they're going home and they're living their life and they're not in each other's business constantly. And it's like, this is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyways. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, in interesting you bring that up about Columbus because I, I recently had uh, Gladstein on, um, I've, I've yet to drop the the episode, but talking about his IMF piece. So yeah, Jesus sure. Christ, wasn't that amazing? Unbelievable work. But now you've got like, look at that, right? You, you've just bookended it. Columbus, IMF, and it's still going on. And this is what Bukele is yeah. trying to stamp out. There's this idea that yeah. we are just going to keep inflating your purchasing power away and you're going to remain completely indebted to the IMF and to the World Bank and you will never escape. End of story. Yeah. That's their tool. Yeah. But yeah, uh, shout out to Gladstein. He's been on... Brood loves show talking about it. He's been on uh, what what Bitcoin did talking about it. Guy uh, read the whole part five parts of the damn book. It's not an article; it's a freaking book. Alex, yeah, Black I Kid. caught I caught him on uh, on Preston's show. I think it was. So I heard right. about that, and I was just when I do my surgeries, I listen to the podcast in my ear. Um, but the whole time I'm doing surgery, I was just like, "Holy crap! This is such amazing work." I haven't got into the actual book book, but just as Preston's podcast. I was like, Jesus, this is this awful. <laughs> this is awful. Well, let let guy read it to you. Uh, you know, just yeah. uh, listen to Bitcoin Audible, uh, and he does it in five parts. He does a brilliant job as always. Uh, but Alex is going to release it as a book, which is great to oh, great nice. to hear. And hopefully, if anyone's listening to this, uh, do your best to translate it because we need the whole world. We, we need that in Spanish, and we need that passed yeah. around El Salvadorian people so they understand. 
and then and the thing they, is, I, I think they do understand, but they, they they know they're getting screwed, but they may not can't know put the their finger on it of why they're right. getting screwed. None yeah. of us do, and. and you know, yeah. I spoke to Alex about this. The you know the most hard hitting sentence in in his article was, and it's to this author's shame that I had not realized what the IMF and the World Bank were doing until I started researching right. for this article, for this essay yeah. he calls it, and uh, it's like yeah, it's to this listeners and to this reader's shame that I did not know what they were yeah. doing. I've read, yeah. you know. Uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. That wakes you up. That wakes you up. But right. man, I worked in financial markets for 18 years. I should not have an excuse. right? I, I should right. have known what money is, and I should have known what a fiat currency was, and I should have known that people were using the banks to launder huge amounts of money that were being passed through my own hands somehow. And yeah. you know, the forests were being destroyed for palm oil plantations. Nobody cares when you're that close to the spigot. It's all about the next yeah, deal. And, and let's let's talk about this real quick too, since I know you're passionate about schooling, mm -hmm. um, you know, and government schooling. Do you think it's an accident that they don't teach us anything about money in school? No. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but what the hell is inflation, right? There's there's no accident, <laughs> zero accident. Uh, if you um, it, download my episode with. Uh, I was on John's pod and we got into this a lot and he was, you know, he, he likes to, he's like, don't, don't, um, uh, don't assign that to malice, which could be assigned to, um, incompetence. This is insidiously done and it has been insidiously done since the late 1800s. And it was in the education system. It's not public education system. It's state education. Yeah. And that was, um, infiltrated very much like well, you've seen it firsthand. That is yeah. infiltration. Hills getting free pet food yeah. and getting the free book is a lost lead for Colgate Palmolive a la Hills yeah. to get you guys hooked on their product for the rest of your life. So not only do they not teach you about nutrition purposefully, they sell you, they give you their, because they can afford to give you rubbish food because the margins mm -hmm. on that, you know, it's just huge. Yeah, huge. So for them, it's just yeah, whatever. Let's just brainwash the yeah. next wave of vets, and people yeah. are gonna—they're gonna be angry to hear that, and rightly so. Yeah. So if you're angry to hear that, go and figure it out. Go and go and look up. Hey. Go and uh, go and um, go and read um, "Dumbing Us Down" by John Taylor Gatto, or "Weapons of Mass okay. Instruction" by John Taylor Gatto, or listen to them. You know, they're—it's all there, and he was a. He was yeah. a teacher for 30 years. So no, it, DM me those books that I'll forget. So I'll, I'll hit you up for the DM. Cause I, I definitely, I haven't scratched that surface yet. I just know mm -hmm. that the education's wrong. Cause kids are graduating without knowing how to balance a checkbook or what money is or what inflation is. Mm -hmm. And they're just, all you're, all you're taught is you should work on your credit score. Yeah. Uh, here's your diploma. Good luck. Yep. So basically you're just taught to take out debt. You know, it's good to take out debt to make your number grow up. And that's that's all they teach you. They've so. inflated the cost of uh, education to you know ridiculously high levels, especially in the US. And they've inflated uh, certification, right? I mean, what's a diploma worth yeah. these days? Every fucker's got one. Like, what's yeah. a degree worth? Everyone's chasing the yeah. same thing. And you know, once you get out there into the actual world and you're trying to get a job, 
you realize you're just the same as everybody else. Uh, you know, it's like yeah. you, if you if you got an A star, you just excelled at being average. Right. Again, people hate to hear this shit, but it's the truth. It's the way the it's system the has been designed, and it's been designed purposefully and very insidiously over a long time by monopolists that want to keep you yeah. dumb. Not dumb, dumb, but they do not want that. That's why math is so difficult to learn in high school. That's why you jump yeah. from subject to subject without ever mastering. You never master fractions. You never master algebra. You never master geometry. You, they just move you through too quickly. And right. everybody gets tricked into thinking they're no good at math. Why? Because it's the only one truth out there. Math is truth. So if we yeah. were actually, if we were all taught math correctly and no fear of it and pure confidence that math was truth, we right. society would be a different place. Yeah, I agree. Got a lot of work to do. But the good thing is truth on our side. The good Bitcoin, thing is people are Bitcoin fixes all of this. <laughs> Bitcoin fixes all of this. No. And, and all right, brother. Uh, well, this is a uh, incentive system. This has been a, a really fun rip. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for stepping into the you know the the Twitter sphere and throwing your um, yeah. your thoughts out there and, and being open. And how how Absolutely. should the plebs uh, reach out to you if they uh, if they want to come and meet you, hang out? Are you going to be at any conferences? What's what's the best way for them to to interact? Uh, shameless plug again for adopting a. Bitcoin. I've already bought my ticket for uh, adopting Bitcoin. It's November 6th in San Salvador. Um, it's at a really nice hotel in San Salvador. It's not that expensive. Um, pure signal. There is no shit corner there. Like, real quick about this one. I know I've got to go. Um, but I went to adopting mostly as an excuse just to get back to El Salvador. I had no idea how awesome that conference was going to be. I had, I had a, a morning. I was sitting there having my coffee on this couch. Really tall black guy came mind if i sit down he's got an african accent it's like sure i'm talking i forgot his name he's like an economic minister from cameroon we sat there and talked about 45 minutes about the frank system about how it's how 22 of something presidents have been assassinated who try to get off the frank system i mean just blew i'm like i'm sitting there talking to this economic minister from cameroon i'm like this is in just my whole four days was just talking to people from around the planet it's truly an international conference bitcoin only and it's the it's the boots on the ground people like every conference that sat there is like this isn't like we hope this happens and blah 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 it's like this is what we are doing and it's just an amazing conference so um if you want to find me there i'll be there i already booked my plane ticket got my hotel reserved that's a done deal uh, i'm on twitter and uh nostr actually um i'm still i'm alabama friend on both of them so if you haven't taken the nostra dive jump in it's pretty it's going to be cool it's still very very early days but it's exciting because uh, you can see where it's going um but yeah i'm a nice guy let's be yeah. friends <laughs> i'm gonna hit you up on some nostra tuition man uh i'm on there uh i'm i'm struggling finding my way around it so uh i, I we need all to are just jump in because everybody is struggling trying to feel like it's funny because like You'll, everybody's post is like tap tap hello i don't yeah. know what i'm supposed to do is like so it's just nothing but complete lost shit posting right now because we're all right. trying to figure it out so just jump in that's all, all i right. can say Love like it. no one's like oh my god you're such a noob everybody's like we're all noobs we all have no idea what's going on let's just have fun but you I'll can see like it's 
it's going to be the next platform for sure. 100%, no doubt. I'll DM you my public key. All right. We'll, we'll connect. All right, man. Well, thank right, you. Man. Take care. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed it. I'm glad we finally hooked up. You too, brother. Have a good one. All right. Well, there you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed that rip with your boy, Alabama friend, and uh, learned a lot about what you should or should not be feeding your animals. Because if you take a look at any of that pet food or any of those dog treats or cat treats or whatever animal treats that you're giving them, I guarantee you it's chock full of seed oils. That is going to be the underlying problem and dogs uh, are carnivores, people. Stop with the biscuits. Seriously. Look after those animals. It's, um, it's amazing the number that's been done on us over the uh, last couple of decades, probably since 1971. I'm just going to take a wild stab in the dark and guess that's where this all started going wrong. Uh, yeah, but uh, the, the depravity of these people behind this bullshit just so that they can keep making as much money as they possibly can whilst either we or our pets suffer it has to end it only ends if you opt out and it only ends with education and it ends with people like Alabama friend who's actually in the field as a vet educating his customers about what's wrong with their pets and how to change that so another rabbit hole you find yourselves crawling into i am sure thank you everybody for listening please make sure you are supporting the show sponsors let's go meet at a conference there are discounts to these conferences if you use the code bitten when you are checking out if you're going to prague and you're looking for a ticket just apply that code at checkout the same with miami if you're going to get across to miami for the, the conference over there, use the code BITTEN and that will uh, apply a discount to all ticket purchases. If you want to get across to Liberty in our lifetime in Prague, that's going to be going down in mid-October. Free Cities Foundation put that on. This is going to be uh, a smaller conference, probably anywhere, probably around four to 500, who knows. Uh, and that's parallel structure, structures. And uh, we got some good Bitcoin maximalists in uh, at Free Cities Foundation doing some great work. So it would be a cool conference. It's a great one to go and check out and see what other realms of uh, different thinking people are, are doing and, and how they're building parallel structures. Obviously, Bitcoin fixes everything. But, you know, it's nice to plug into uh, the, the, the other freedom fighters out there and, and help Orange Pill as many people as we can. Orange Pill app has got you covered for finding your nearest pleb. Just download the app or go to the website, sign up via the website. You can use Lightning to pay and go find your nearest people. Uh, build out the social layer of Bitcoin and start your meetups or whatever it is that you're looking to do. And then you've got your stacking friends, Swan Bitcoin, Relay and Coin Corner. If you want to go peer to peer and KYC free, that's HODL, HODL. Links in the show notes for all of these companies. And if you follow those links, you'll either get a free X amount of Bitcoin or you will save on commissions. HODL, HODL have also built out their peer-to-peer -peer lending platform, which you are going to be able to learn more about. Just head over to the website, see how that works, play around with it if that's a service that you are going to be looking for. 
and Riga is in Latvia. And Hoddle Hoddle throw the Baltic Honey Badger Conference each year. It's going to be 3rd of September this year, I believe. Get over to the website, get some tickets. No discounts. Sorry, guys. They won't even give me a discount code. It's not going to happen. It's a great conference and one that is very much uh, adored by the, the European maxis. And we even get visited from our American and Canadian and cousins from all over the world. So please make sure that one is on your calendar because you'll be gutted to miss it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to up your privacy game, you know where to head to. It's so easy. It's wasabiwallet.io. And if you are sitting there thinking, hmm, I really want to take control of my Bitcoin. I want to get them off of any of these exchanges, anyone I've just mentioned, any of the show sponsors, take them off there as well. They would advocate for that 100%. If you cannot sit around and wait a week and a half for something to be shipped to you, just download wasabiwallet.io and get them off immediately. They will get into your Wasabi wallet and coin join for you in front of your eyes so you've upped your privacy. And then when the signing device, signing device or hardware wallet does appear in your letterbox, you can move them onto there into the cold storage. And you can use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. Apply the code bitten at checkout and you'll get 5% discount on that as well. So I think that's it. Linktree or Vita. I have loads more discounts for you guys on those pages. You can just hit them in the show notes and that will take you through to get a discount. Uh, You know, anywhere from t-shirts and hoodies and kids games and books to uh, Consensus Network where you'll get 10% discount on any of the books in as many different languages as you can find and much more. Anyway, I'm rambling. Hope you enjoyed this one. Take care. Catch you on the next show.